Welcome to the Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. With your hosts, Ben Hart and Zach Arnold. Co-starring you, the fans. Sponsored by Channel 1138. Time to expelliarmus all of your present plans and sit down and buckle up for another amazing edition of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast. Welcome, everyone. My name is Zach. I'm so glad that you chose to spend the next little while with us. We've got a really awesome show lined up for you. We are continuing our discussion of the Harry Potter series strictly from a cinematic standpoint. I know we've had some requests to discuss and do a comparison of the books. Unfortunately, we just don't really have the time or the uh, ability let's just put it that way i got too much else on my plate to deal with what's, but what's Zach i did saying find enough is he time. can't read I, <laughs> that's what's going no, on here <laughs> i'm reading the damn show notes aren't i <laughs> i know how I, to read okay it if says, you say so it says it says it says mahor plutopoientis that's what it says right there on the screen <laughs> mahor plutopoientis yeah Let's let's that's just exact, see. Let's exact. just leave that to the listeners to see how long it takes them to figure out what you're actually. We'll see saying. if they can find out exactly what Puzzle. I mean by that. Puzzle that. We'll one read out. between the lines and try and have a little bit of fun. Uh, this is the second consecutive week that I've had a little bit of happy juice, so that's going to make it even more fun. <gasps> but uh, let's introduce all of the voices, not just hear my voice prattling on for a couple of hours. This is going to be another fun roundtable, similar to the one that we had last week, although hopefully. Uh, we'll have a bit better percentages as far as scores go by the end of the night. We'll see. Joining me, as he always does, is the co-host of the IPC podcast, my very good friend, Mr. Ben Hart. How are you tonight, man? I am fantastic. I'm uh, sorry I had to skip out on you guys last week. I, I, I'm sorry that I missed all the fun at the end of last week's show. But I'm glad to be back talking no, I- some more Harry Potter. I think it was fun because you were gone. It's like when the Ben's away, the men will play or something. I don't know. Uh, it doesn't surprise me that the show improves when I'm gone. So, you know. No, that's whatever. not what I said. I said <laughs> we got more we got more whimsical and decided to test the borders a little bit more because you're the one that's always bringing us back to the straight and narrow, which we do appreciate. Eh, sometimes. Every every now and again we also just kind of get a little crazy and so we jumped on the crazy train last week and who knows we may end up there again but uh before we yell out all aboard let's make sure we've got all our passengers with us you heard his voice just a second ago it is the co-host of the ipc podcast and the head writer of the star wars underworld back again for more harry potter discussion it's mr dominic jones hey guys great to be back looking forward to talking about goblet of fire and zach i have to compliment you on an excellent excellent segue right there very well done sir thank you I, I have my moments. Uh, we'll we'll see uh, 
We'll see if I can keep it up for another two hours. I don't know. <laughs> well, if you keep if you keep tapping into the happy juice, I suspect that the the segues will become more and more bizarre as the show goes on. They'll become more bizarre, more entertaining, and maybe a little bit more slurred. Mm. But uh, we're not we're not going to worry about that just yet. I'm I'm only I'm only two ounces in, two and a half ounces in. So hopefully that's all I need. I can I can keep it coherent, but also keep it lively and fun. To help us continue that fun, we can't do it with just three voices. We're going to use four again this week. It's going to be a roundtable discussion and back around again for another discussion of the Harry Potter series with us. It's McMahon from Star Wars Wastelands. How you doing, guys? It's uh, it's a pleasure to be back here. You know, I kind of thought after last week our invitations might get lost in the mail, but uh, well, we're back here again, and, and once again, our Texan's a little tipsy. I don't know. It's a recipe we, for bad. I don't know how Ben's allowing this to happen. Some Hedwig things never change. <laughs> Hedwig made it through, delivered all the messages in time, I suppose. Yeah. You know, that is one thing that I really do love about the Harry Potter series and one thing that I wish would just translate over into today's like society in the muggle world. Why can't we have owl messengers? Exactly. Like, they use... Yeah. They use trained pigeons in the war. Why can't we train owls to send messages to people? Like, I don't think it's that hard. And it's well, not like I send mail to a whole, whole lot of people. If I can just train it to send letters to my girlfriend, I think that would be romantic enough to get me a few style points. I think I think instead of the drone army that Amazon is working on to deliver packages, they should be training owls to uh, drop off your, your PlayStations and your... Uh, or just dress up the drones as owls. That's close <laughs> enough. Yeah. I, I, I feel like the bigger issue here might be that, you know, most owls are nocturnal. That That's kind of a problem for delivering the mail, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you just deliver the mail at night. It's, <laughs> you so it's just deliver there, it so, all at night. Yeah, so it's there in the morning. You wake up, you get your yeah, newspaper, and you get that? your mail. And as soon as you get ready to leave for work, you wake up and you, you leave and you, you pull out of your driveway and you check the mail or you check the box that's right by your doorway there and you know it's already there for you waiting and you don't have to like question whether it's going to be there at 1 p.m or 6 p.m at yeah. least that's the problem that i've got around here sometimes it gets here really early like around lunchtime and then sometimes it doesn't get here till after dark so i mean if it doesn't get here till after dark half the time anyway it might as well do it by owls instead of by post box or, or uh what do, you, what do you call them mail trucks mm, mm-hmm yeah, owls. I'd, I'd 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 much rather have a male owl, like de- like a delivery owl, not a like a not like a dude. Like, uh, <laughs> keep 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 going, keep going, keep keep I'm, keep digging. I'm not keep digging. I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not sexist like that. I I'm okay with girl owls delivering <laughs> delivering the mail too. Well, I I hope so. Male male and female <laughs> post delivery owls. Yes, that's what I was talking about. That's uh-huh. exactly what we needed. Boy, we're off to a great start now, ladies mm-hmm. and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. 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 So, I, I mean, the fact that Hedwig, <laughs> Hedwig was herself. Yeah, it, it, it's all your fault, Zach. We yeah. were talking about. Okay, whatever, fine. I'll, I'll take. I'd I, I point out that the best male delivering owl in the entire saga is, in fact, a girl. It's true. It's true. That's true. That is you know, true. Uh, and the, the, the only examples of male owls that we have delivering mail are Errol, yeah. who sucks, can't, is, is awful, mm-hmm. and and Sirius's owl in in this film that bites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not. Oh yeah, the one that bites. That was funny. 
I like that one. <laughs> like, just as he's reading the PS message, it's like, PS, that owl bites. Like, mm. dang it. It's almost. You maybe have let that off at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, right? Should, uh, instead of a postscript, it should have been a prescript. And it's still PS. Yeah. You just actually <laughs> just start with PS. <sighs> I'm going to start all, anytime I have a PS now, I'm going to start all letters that way instead of just see if people get really confused if they understand what we're doing. Anyway, we would. And people are probably confused as to when we're actually going to talk about this movie, too, because we seem to be more interested in delivery owls than we are in this movie, (laughs) which is kind of the opposite of my feelings about this movie. I'll be completely honest. Last week, it sounded like I was berating Prisoner of Azkaban and gave a lot of, of negative perspectives. And you're probably right. But the thing is, I never go back and listen to my own program because then I get overly critical and self-conscious. And so I just say it and I'm done and I move on. So whatever I said last week, that's last week. We are talking about Goblet of Fire this week. And out of the, what is this, the fourth installment Mm -hmm. so far? Mm -hmm. Out of the four, this is probably my favorite. Nice. Really? Nice. Out of out of the four that I've seen so far, this hit all the right notes. It hit everything that I was looking for in a in a wizarding adventure thriller movie, and it also delivered on a lot of the stuff that it had been building up to over the previous three films. So, you know, I think it hit a lot of the right notes. There were a few minor things that I was concerned with, but it didn't hurt the overall story. It made for a very, very enjoyable film and probably my one that I've seen so far. Your favorite one yeah, so I mean, far. That's that's nice that's nice to see. And I I mean there's a lot of payoff in this movie. Like you know, it does happen towards the end, but still you have a lot of great stuff. Uh, but then you got freaking dragons. Dragons <laughs> finally in this thing. Great. Everybody how how could you go wrong with dragons? One. What? Dragons nah, you can't one. go wrong with dragons. There's no way you can go wrong I'm with not, dragons. I'm not saying Game you can go Thrones. wrong with dragons. I'm just saying you had dragons in the first one. Yeah. Norbert. Wait, wait. Norbert. Yeah, you did. The oh, yeah, you No baby dragon. In a while, though. <laughs> it's, it's been a few years since we've but seen them. T- in, the in ben, yeah, in and CGI has gotten a little bit better, may I say. Yeah, and, and in Ben's defense, it's one thing to see a little baby dragon on screen for a couple of minutes. It's a whole other thing to see a full-grown Hungarian horn tail yep. chasing That's... your hero around. It's pretty great. It's pretty it's great. It's not messing around. As mm-hmm. far as, you know, like last movie I was talking about the uh, the gratuitous CGI that was being used during a particular scene that really didn't add a whole lot to the story. Yeah. This this moment of CGI was absolutely necessary to the story. You know, if he is going to try and stay alive, if he's going to pursue the the cup, then he's got he's got to survive this situation. And so I really, really liked this scene and the way that they showed off their abilities. It was a lot less gratuitous than what we saw just one movie ago. And it really, really contributed to Harry's character development. It contributed to the overall story. And like you were saying, dragons. <laughs> we had, we had dragons, dragons and mermaids. Had, I mean, come on. We had, so we, we had uh, dragons. We had smorgasbord of we awesome. Had, we had Pegasus in this one. I don't know what the plural is. Is that Pegasus or Pegasi? Pegasi. Or, 
Pegasi? I don't know. Yeah, we had we had plural we had <laughs> plural Pegasus. Right. We had plural Pegasus on this program. Ooh, try saying that three times fast. Plural Pegasus on this program. Pl- plural pl- sounds plural like Pegasus pl- program. <laughs> plural Pegasus. See? Plural Pegasus. Pregas- <laughs> Are the Pegasus pro- pregnant? Yeah. No? yeah. <laughs> when you have a pregnant Pegasus, it's a Pegasus. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Oh, man. (laughs) That was extremely derivative. I'm going to give it a tally mark, even if we don't shout out all aboard Steven Tyler. Oh, man. Uh, Okay. But no, we had that. Also, when did uh, the second parts of the Caribbean movie come out? Was that 2004? Did did they did they immediately follow that up or did they take a year off? Because the other thing that we saw, Dead Man's Chest was 06. Was it? Yeah, a year after this movie came out. This particular. That's what I'm. That's what I'm getting at. Because in this movie, we see a sailing ship arise from the water, much like we see the Flying Dutchman do in Dead Man's Chest. Wow. Mm. Okay. So. Of course, I mean obvious connection there, but I it didn't dawn on me that this happened before that. It didn't hit with me either. I thought, okay, this movie came out in 05. If they made Dead Man's Chest right after the success of the first parts of the Caribbean in 03, then it would have come out in around 04, 05, and maybe it was just a coincidence. But now I'm starting to think. I mean, obviously they were in production of Dead Man's Chest in 05. But Right. And I mean I'm, plus I mean Harry Potter is, is based on a book, whereas Parts of the Caribbean is not. That's so. true. That is true. But the fact that you got two of those in two consecutive years, that doesn't really happen by accident. No. No. Very, very, very interesting use of of their of their graphics, of their CGI, their cinematography, their creativity. I mean, you've got a a giant woman who's even bigger than Hagrid in this movie. Yeah. That's because the, she's a giant? Because she is a giant, yeah. And and Hagrid's only part giant, isn't he? He's half giant. His mother was a giant. His father was a wee tiny muggle. I I remember that. How did the two of them get together even? That's really the question you want to ask right now? <laughs> yeah, kind of. I'm really no. kind of curious about no. that. He told, the, he told the story about how by the time he was six, he could pick up his dad and put him on the dresser. And I was like, that's a little weird. That's just, ugh. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm not going to overthink it. it. That's a that's a that's a discussion for RIPC. Absolutely, that's that is true. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh Okay, RIPC is in the works, people. After a week of discussion and talking with people in the Peacekeeper Corps, we are officially in the works for an R-rated IPC extension show for patrons only. If you're interested in receiving updates about that, then please go subscribe to the Peacekeeper Corps. You can. Uh, do that by going to uh, pod. Is it patron.podbean? I think it's patron.podbean.com slash IPC podcast. Or you can get just, all the full you details. Just go to it. our actual patron, our, our Podbean page, and there's links there. You, there's a thing at the top of the page that says become a patron, and there's a little advertisement to the right. You can click on it, it'll take you straight there. Okay. Cool. Pretty cool. You can You can do both of those. 
I mean, I, I try and promote as many links as I can just to confuse people. You're like, oh, you show up yeah. at this one, and this is this is the one where you pay money, and you show up at this one, and this is the one where you just listen to the 15 most recent episodes, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I digress. Goblet of Fire. Yes. Let's just talk about overall impressions to begin with, and then we'll discuss some of the Mahur Plut Poyentis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> ben, whatever, this is your first said. time. This is your first time seeing it, right, Ben? You didn't see it yes. any times before that, and sneak yeah. up on me, and it's like, oh, I've seen it twice now. No, so this was this was your first time seeing it, same same as it was for me. What are your first impressions of Goblet of Fire? Um, I quite enjoyed it. I it's not it's I'm not like you. I don't think it's my favorite. But it's definitely it's, a, it's it's above Prisoner of Azkaban, but maybe not. Maybe I mean maybe around where the first two are for me. I, I did quite enjoy it, and, and you know it's it's got a lot of great wizarding elements. It, it really kind of pushes the boundaries of this franchise. We're four movies in now, and you know you're getting a lot of different things, and it would be easy to kind of, you know, that was what I was looking forward to, starting this out. I'm like, okay, where is this going to go? Like, what are we going to see? What, how big is this universe? What is here? And you're starting to get that in this thing. You're seeing other schools come in. You're seeing things. You see the big bad villain finally show up. Like, this, this yes, is really... finally. Such a payoff. Oh. Yeah, you're, you're getting such, this really, this franchise is kicking in high gear now. You, you see mm-hmm. that, you know, the things are the wheels are turning and it doesn't in it, you know, it gives you that big ending payoff of, okay, Voldemort's here. You know, the, uh, the poops about to hit the fan, but you know, or it is hitting the fan, but you know, it's still a lot of great lead up to that too. And you get just kind of a, an overall view of this world. As I said, dragons, mermaids, all this kind of stuff, this big, really weird, kind of sadistic, you know, tournament with all these people like <laughs> doing these, life life threatening you know challenges and stuff like that it's crazy but it's it's really awesome really entertaining and you know it's uh you know the whole backstory and you know my only i think my only complaint is the fact that they they, they pulled they pulled a prisoner of Azkaban on me again they they teased me last week they teased me with Gary Oldman and they give me enough Gary Oldman this week they teased me with David Ant, David Tennant <laughs> yeah and we didn't get enough of him and then you have What's his name? Playing him the entire time. I'm like, come on, man! You show me. I'm like, I'm watching this movie, going, oh, it's David Tennant. This is gonna be awesome. And then they don't see him till the very end. Like, crap. Well, spoilers. Yeah. Well, keep in mind, David Tennant when this movie came out wasn't David Tennant. You know, he he had yet to be. Yeah, the doctor. this is 2005. Yeah, David Tennant. Is he doesn't pre-Doctor take on the role Who. of the tenth Doctor till almost like what 2000. Eight. He's David Tennant to me. 2006. 2006. So he's still six. still two two years away, like release date wise. So he, wow, right, you know, yeah. when they cast him, they just cast. Well, this is the actor we think is best for this role right now. They didn't think they were getting a star, so to speak. So they didn't put him in a, a role that, looking back on his on his legacy now, would be more befitting of someone of his stature. But you know what we get is still very good. I, I imagine, you know, Barty Crouch Jr. is very much the, uh, what the master would have been if in some alternate universe where David Tennant wound up playing the master instead of the doctor. Oh, don't even tease me like that. <laughs> oh, man. I would have been so down for that. Now that you're saying it, jeez. Yeah. Okay, can I also say that one of his more 
underrated roles, if I can find it. The 2009 BBC edition of Hamlet. Ah. Where he plays the Tiller role, and he plays opposite Patrick Stewart. Oh, really? <laughs> it's Patrick Stewart yeah, who plays awesome. who plays his father and plays his uncle in mm. the movie. And, oh my goodness, the two of them have such phenomenal chemistry. Now, on the, on, on the opposite end of that, have you... Oh. Have you guys seen the new trailer for The Good Samaritan? No. The Good that, Samaritan. It's David Tennant basically playing like this sadistic kidnapper killer dude. Oh, damn. That these guys try to break into his house. He realizes he's, he's got somebody like, you know, chained up in his basement in there. I mean, like it's it's re- it looks, you know, David Tennant. Like if you watch like Jessica Jones, you know, he could play evil really good. So like. That's I. I'm not into usually into movies like that, but it looks so good. Oh, is it coming out or has it already come out? It the trailer just dropped, so I'm assuming it's coming out for long. Is it called okay. Good Samaritan or Bad Samaritan? Oh, Bad Samaritan. Yes, there it is. Okay, that ex- that explains a bit. Yeah, I could have because fun. I typed in Good Samaritan on. On IMDb, and I didn't see anything. He's definitely not a good, good Samaritan. Definitely no, not. No, no, no. He's not. I mean, who's he playing opposite? I don't he's recognize out on any Star of these Wars Day. May fourth. Yeah, Harry Condon, Robert Sheehan, Jacqueline Byers. I'm not recognizing any of these no. names. I'm sorry. Don't recognize How the director that, either. Okay, this 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 seems very reminiscent of what they did with the original Halloween movie, where they got one person to play like a rather substantial role and that's where a bulk of their budget went into and then the rest of it is built around that actor so yeah i mean a lot of low budget movies are that way like they get yeah, they get their guy and then that's all they then then they build around them like you said so goblet yeah, of fire exactly. we we shall see i i still enjoyed i still enjoyed david Tennant. don't get me wrong uh-huh. like oh, you've yeah. got you, you've got you've got an appearance with David Tennant in here. You've got Jason Isaacs reprising his role as mm-hmm. uh, was it Draco Lucius, uh, Lucius Malfoy, Draco's son. I get those two mixed Father. up because they're they're so alike. <laughs> Father, <laughs> Father, Zach, and the, the alcohol is taking over, buddy. <laughs> no, it's not. I actually J- I do get Jason the Isaacs as Jason Isaacs as Tom Felton's son. That'd be kind of weird. Yeah, you're right. But here, here's the deal. Button. Both of them, both of them, just get addressed as Malfoy. So you can see where I would be confused. They both just get addressed as Malfoy most of the time. Depends on who's talking to them. Like, shut up, Malfoy. And they're that, both that seems to be equally jerks. Lucius has yeah, hair and that goes down past his shoulders. It's not hard to figure this out. Draco Draco did get his here, comeuppance in this here, movie, here, though. I yeah. did like that a lot. Here, here's a way to remember it, Zach. Lucius has luscious hair. <laughs> oh, don't let me throw up. <laughs> so do you think any of the Death Eaters ever called him Luscious Lucius? Luscious Lucius. <laughs> luscious Lucius. <laughs> No, I don't think they. If I wasn't a Death they? Eater. I'd be eating that hair, hey. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, I mean, okay, 
So maybe there's that's definitely they... a Death Eater that would have called him Luscious Lucius, but you just haven't met her yet. Uh, maybe, uh-huh, uh-huh, maybe uh-huh. that's why they call that particular type of pasta angel hair. It's addressing Luscious Lucius. I... Maybe angel hair. Can I don't know. Ma- do I have to ask the question? Do I have to ask it again? How did we get here? <laughs> <laughs> We're probably going to end up asking that a lot. McMahon, like, what did you? What were your initial thoughts? Do you remember your initial thoughts when you first saw this movie, or do you, do you just have any general thoughts to get us off this? What are your topic? most recent thoughts that can get us back on track? <laughs> well, my most recent thoughts are very much different from my initial thoughts because my initial thoughts were unfiltered. I hadn't, you know, like you guys, I hadn't seen the rest of the saga yet. This time, I had many, many times over. Uh, first time out, I, I thought it was amazing. Like, this was this was the toast for me. This is, was, and still is my favorite movie of the saga. Oh, wow. Okay. Nice. Of, of, of all eight, nine if you count Fantastic Beasts, this is my favorite. We're about to get a tenth later this year. Indeed we are. This one was, it is my favorite. You know, and, and that has only improved now that you know, I'm a Doctor Who fan, and David Tennant playing that amazing Barty Crouch, and all the other little things in this. My love for this film grows more and more the more times I watch it, because I notice things I never noticed before that play out more in the story as the story goes on. It's, it's little things. Oh. You know, I, I can't really say too much about some of the things I noticed because I don't know how much of the story you guys know, don't know. So I'm not going to say because it does affect knowledge of forthcoming events. But there are things I notice watching this film back now, knowing what how the story goes all the way through that make me go, oh, damn, that's OK. I, I never noticed that before. I really like this. Oh yeah, I mean that's the that's the mark of a really good sequel or sequels is making you look at the initial films in a completely different light. Um, and it's sure not even that mark for me. It's it's the uh, I can't really say thing. It's the the J.K. Rowling factor. You know, oh, yeah, I mean, sure. you you know there were characters who were told certain things about their characters that weren't yet revealed through the books. You see that watching back. Now mm. I see those things that I never noticed before because you weren't supposed to notice them. You know, it's the little things that now I notice that I didn't notice before that make me go, oh, that makes so much sense. Because that that attention to detail is could come back to bite them just for the fact of, I mean, e- the actors have to know this, but also, you know, they have to be laying the groundwork for this. Otherwise... You're going to have stuff happen later, and then you're going to go watch that and go, oh, that doesn't make sense because that was not doing that or that character didn't act that way or whatever. Um, the fact that that stuff was there all along, you could watch the movie through completely different eyes, is crazy awesome. Yeah. I think that's I, I, one of the things that I'm looking forward to. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, go ahead. It's a, it, it's, a, it's a short thought. I'm looking forward to the prospect of concluding the series and then going back around watching it again and seeing if it still holds as one of my favorites as it does for you. Because I thoroughly enjoyed so many aspects of this movie that it's going to be hard for anything to give me those same vibes. But then at the same time, I'm also thinking if this is the fourth movie out of eight or nine and 
everybody's telling me that it's only going to get better, then goodness gracious, what else do I still have in store for the rest of this movie series? Yeah, exactly. So, Dom, what are what are your thoughts on Goblet of Fire specifically from a cinematic perspective? Certainly, yeah. Um, I I like you guys. I love love this one. Like, it's really up there as as one of the best ones. I think. Um, you know, my view on on all these movies is a little bit skewed because I did read the books first. So, you know, going to see it for the first time is always sort of a, a different kind of experience because you're sort of looking at the adaptation, looking at what's there, what's not there from the books, how they adapted it. And this one, because the book is so much longer than the previous ones, you know, I had, had a lot of questions about how they were going to, even as a kid, like I was really wondering how they were going to adapt this, this fourth book into the, into one movie. And they they pulled it off. I mean, I, I remember thinking they needed to split it or do it as three movies, even you know, one movie per challenge. But oh, I God. think <laughs> I, I thought that I thought that would have been cool. But you know, now seeing how it how it played out, obviously it worked out. It worked out just fine. Um, You've seen the Hobbit trilogy, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, let's be fair. Goblet of Fire is a denser book than than The Hobbit. There's more there to it, but I know they, what you mean. They'll split it up into three movies when they reboot it. Yeah. <laughs> When ben Can we re- not put that in the universe? When ben reboots it, um, but uh, yeah, it, it's great. There's there's a lot of fun new characters, a lot of sort of expansion of the wizarding world, and I mean the return of Voldemort. And I mean Ray Fiennes just does a fantastic job with this character, and he does it so so well. You know, there's so much build up uh, for this character to really properly appear, and he does something so unexpected and creepy with it that just works so so perfectly. And and you know, this really is the transition book. This or, or movie it it takes us from the relatively safe adventures of the first three that are sort of they have a similar rhythm to them you know where you the beginning of the beginning of the story something weird happens then you get to hogwarts you meet a new defense against the dark arts teacher you do some classes things get weirder bad things start happening then there's a big confrontation and it's over this one it starts off going through those same uh motions and you know you start something start with uh, something different start with quidditch world cup Bad things happen there. It's a little right away. It's going to be darker than usual. You can tell that. Hell, you can tell that from the uh, the prologue, even with the uh, the gameskeeper, the groundskeeper at at the old oh, Riddle Estate. That was such a great intro. Yeah, yeah. And then we go to the Quidditch World Cup. That's a little bit different, but it's you know it's it still fits in with that sort of something weird happens at the beginning of the story that we got with the previous pre- previous three. But it, it is darker, obviously. And then we get to Hogwarts and we meet Mad-Eye Moody. And, you know, the Triwizard Tournament starts up and we kind of get into that familiar rhythm of what's going on, of, of school life at Hogwarts. And then the way it ends with Voldemort coming back, you know, there's no way, you know, it, it, the, there's no way the story can be the same anymore. It changes everything. And, you know, the way... Not to not to jump ahead to a future week, but the way Order of the Phoenix deals with that is really really interesting, and I, I look forward to hearing what you guys think of that when we get there because that that's my favorite one. So we're 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 one off from from my favorite one. So I'm as tempted as it is to talk about that one. Uh, well, we'll keep the focus here, but just yeah, Goblet of Fire. They did such a great job with this one. 
Well, it's interesting, and it's just kind of jumping off of your points there, Dominic. Like, it's interesting throughout this whole movie. It's kind of a mix between the spirit of the first three films, but also preparing you for what's coming. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, they're they do a lot to tell you up front. Like, Harry's in this tournament. He doesn't want to be in this tournament, and you know, he's been put into it, and he's you know. And you see, like Dumbledore, like freaking out on Harry because, like, like people die doing this. Like, this is not just something you you just this is fun thing you do. Like, <laughs> you could get killed doing this. Like, this is a big deal. But you go through the film and it's like, okay, well, Harry's gonna, you know, he's not gonna die. He's he's this, he's this, he's a star, you know. But nobody really dies. You know, everything works out throughout the whole thing. Mm, the somebody end. dies. Yeah, somebody dies. <laughs> Well, yeah, pretty, pretty well, about... actually, a few people, pretty tragically. Who? Did I uh, Cedric? Cedric, Cedric. Well, Diggory I know Cedric. I, I'm getting to that. The the gameskeeper at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Right. And then there was there was somebody else that it's escaping me who it was. Uh, not in this one. Just the spider. <laughs> is it? Is it only? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. That's true. Oh, ba- Barney, if you, if you Barney, them, Barney Crouch Senior. Barty, you're right. I forgot yeah, Barty. Right, Barty Senior. That's who it was. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So there, there's a few catches. Which, by the also, way, the Bar- Barty Crouch Senior, the way that was handled, that is my biggest criticism of the movie. Because I, I, really, I, I didn't get that for the like as a as a kid seeing it, like that completely went over my head. It took me a while to but really you understand. Supposed to get it at that point. No, but like even the fact you that you weren't he, supposed to but you no, weren't no. supposed to understand it until you see the flashback in the pensive. Mhm. Then even, it was supposed to make sense. It, it 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 didn't to me. Like again, as a kid that that sort of went over my head like I, and 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 even just the fact that he was dead wasn't clear enough. Like it it was really sort of weird that you kind of you kind of see him lying there and it it just I I feel like that's where that's one place where this this movie kind of dropped the ball is that I I never I I couldn't really follow that I thought it was a little too little too vague um, and it, it, it was, was it was definitely snap your fingers moment yeah it was definitely abrupt I'll and, give and, you and, that and it here's was... the thing somebody just died on the Hogwarts campus like that should be a major major event but it's totally totally brushed under the rug like it, it like and well, not I mean, even Hogwarts did live through the war I mean. It's true, but this well, is supposed to be peacetime. Like this is supposed to be. I I I think normally I'd agree with you, and I think had this happened in a pre-Harry environment, you're right. But Dumbledore knew. He knew as soon as Harry, as soon as he sent that first letter to Harry, he knew. Okay, it's gonna be he a rough invi- one. He yeah. was inviting trouble. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, so yeah. the chamber, the chamber of secrets opens, and a bunch of kids get. Um, you know, stunned, get petrified, and the governors are going to shut down the school. Dumbledore is being sent away, and then, uh, um, and then everything turns out all right. Nobody dies, and then here somebody is literally murdered, like within walking distance of the school. And it's like, yeah, what are you going to do? It happens. I think it's well, the but question of. And, and, and believe, correct me if I'm wrong. Is this in the movie or in the deleted scenes where there's a, a sequence where you have Dumbledore and and Cornelius Fudge arguing about what to do? It's in the film. It's in the it's, film. Uh, it's in the film. Okay. Yeah, it's when him. It was Fudge, 
Dumbledore and Moody. Harry comes out of the stairwell. Yeah. So, so walks I mean, in. So, so yeah. So what, what I'm getting at is, in fairness, that is there. I just don't think the fact that I, I just I, I don't know I, I don't I still don't think enough weight was given to that moment of just the discovery of the body even like it's it's really kind of in universe there's an explanation for it but in the film it's kind of like the film kind of brushes it under the rug like yeah we don't really have time for that we just needed to do that because th- th- this character needed to go away and and we it's almost it. like I think I think the difference is that in the book they were able to make it bigger because you had to, you had to explain it much more in depth to get the same moment, right? Like the point is when Harry goes inside the pan seat and sees Barty Jr., Uh we, the viewer are supposed to immediately realize, Oh crap, that's mad eye. That's the polyjuice potion. We were supposed to put it all together. Then in the film, you could do that very easily with mad eye doing the tongue and Barty's dad's reaction you know, senior reacting the way he did and and then him dying and you see the reveal in the pensive. In the book, you can't really see that, so you have to elaborate much more in depth. Yeah. I just I just don't think enough there I I just keep going back to it. I just don't think there was enough. Like it it, it didn't it didn't click for me. It, it didn't it didn't click for me until multiple repeat viewings. I will say I feel like I need to watch this movie another time or two to kind of get everything because it's pretty dense and it's pretty like because you're introducing a lot of new elements. You're you're not only you know you're bringing all these different schools in and stuff like this yeah. and all the, these the, different students the, and there's a lot there's it's a it's really like bringing a lot of different elements that we haven't seen before in this universe all together at once and kind of mixing them around. Yeah, I almost um, feel like I almost feel like the Barty Senior character could have been left out of the adaptation. Like I I, I don't I I think the movie plays pretty well. Even when you don't, even when I didn't understand exactly what was going on there, I still think that it plays pretty well. So I, I almost think that you could have just dropped that character altogether, and then there wouldn't have been that confusion, at least for me. Here's yeah. here's where here's the counterpoint that I would make to that. I I kind of agree with you to a certain extent because when it comes to Barty's influence, is rather minimal in the present. You know, Dumbledore could have just as easily made the announcement that students age 17 and under are not yeah. allowed to participate in the cup. Like, you didn't need to bring in one other person to make that announcement. But I think you need to have his established presence in the current situation in order to make it a bigger reveal when Harry is visiting Dumbledore's flashback. Because otherwise, you have no attachment to Barty Crouch whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You you have you have no connection, no influence, no recognition of who that character is. And so, when it's announced that it's his son who is working for you know who, you don't care. But now that you've got a character who was there, who isn't there any longer, who you revisit in a flashback, and you realize he was betrayed, it kind of helps connect the dots a little bit better. I, yeah, I agree. But it's it still leaves the door open for like a reveal as to who Mad Eye really was, but gives you gives you a little bit more context, albeit it is rather slight. Yeah, I I, I, I do agree with that. Like it it does the scene in the pensive of where he's um, thinking about where, where where we revisit that and you know it's, we have Karkaroff in the cage and he says Barty Crouch dramatic pause. 
Junior. You know, is yeah. is a really it's a really good moment. And you're right, we do, because we have that connection. It that moment plays a lot better. I just I just come back to the fact that I just don't think there was enough weight given to that character's death and the fact that you know there's there's so much and it's just there's so much going on in this movie that I, I you know you, they couldn't give every character their due. I get that. It's just yeah. something something about it just doesn't play a hundred percent right to me. That's all. No, I I I would I would agree. I I can I can definitely see where you're coming from. I think the the point of 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 the of the entire memory of the entire flashback was to kind of do a then and now comparison. Uh, uh-huh. But you can only do that when you actually have experienced a now with one of the characters. And that's really all that that's really the only purpose that Barty Crouch served. You know, that uh-huh. his his entire purpose in the film was to show a now so that you can experience the then and now. Dumbledore looks very different in the flashback. Karkaroff obviously right. looks very different as a prisoner instead of a headmaster. Yeah. And Crouch Crouch looks a little bit different, just different enough to where when you're looking at these people that you've seen at previous intervals in the film, you're recognizing this is not like some esteemed person that has always been the headmaster. This is somebody who has been to Azkaban and come out from it. And this is why. And so I think it was more for Karkaroff's character development than it was for Crouch's for that entire sequence, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I, I'd say it certainly set up the scene we see a little bit later with with Karkarov and Snape in the poacher's yes. closet. You know, without yes. that, you have no context to Karkarov is a Death Eater. Uh-huh. But right. My, my my question is, how does an actual convicted Death Eater who goes to Azkaban become a headmaster of a school for children? I have no idea. <laughs> how does this happen? Excellent. I have no no well, idea. I mean, if you were like a convicted sex offender in our world, you wouldn't question, be allowed anywhere huh? near a school. Well, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd say more convicted mass murderous murderer, cult yeah. member. Yeah, than, I mean, but that's than, that's that's what I'm well, getting at. <laughs> is if if you have if you have this on your record in the Muggle world, and uh, as opposed to what he's currently got on his record, it shouldn't even be a question. You I'm shouldn't be anywhere near. I'm a, a convicted follower of of. Charles Manson, but hey, I can be this principal of this elementary school. Yeah, that's right? totally fine. That's yeah, all of good. Nothing bad can happen no. here. Yeah, it makes total sense. I think the answer may be found actually in the the lesson that that Mad Eye teaches in this this movie is he um he says you know a lot of the followers of you know who um claim to be under the effect of the Imperius curse. And I don't think Karkarov ever did. No, Karkarov, we don't ever actually see him do that, but you could, we could surmise that maybe that was part of his, his plea. It's, you know, sort of, sort of a, a variation on the insanity plea. I suppose. I mean, I never inferred that, but yeah, that, yeah. that's just me. Yeah, it's, it's not, it's not real. Like that, it is a bit of a stretch to connect those dots. It's not really there in the text. Um, but it's, you know, it's a guess. That's all I'm doing is guessing here because it is because you guys are so right. It's very weird. <laughs> very weird. Like with, yeah. with, with Snape, um, he at least he had Dumbledore's protection, right? Because you hear, you hear in this one, one of the names that Karkaroff tries to give is Severus Snape. Um, and, you know, Snape, Dumbledore trust, seems to trust Snape. So I wonder why. Yeah. Well, we know. We yeah, know. that's going to come back right. to bite him in the ass, isn't it? <laughs> 
We shall oh, see. No too comment. Much no comment. Too much we foreshadowing. No, no comment. comment. Okay. No comment. Getting, getting back to the point I was I trying to make 10 recall. minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Um, Sorry. No, it's it's cool. It's cool. That was great. But thanks for correcting me on the death thing. I was more I was more thinking I, I did forget about um you know the senior's death. See, this is, this, is, this was my point. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. It is kind of brushed over, but I was more thinking of kind of the micro level of the kids that are actually in this tournament. Uh. They're going through this and pretty much every time they come out unscathed they nobody really dies in that sense um until you get to the end and then you know you have them show up in this thing and i mean harry and cedric are just put through this cedric is just he's just off like you know there's no like fanfare or anything like that for him it's just like boom he's dead like he, he he's he's hit once he's down like and it just it drives home and you have harry go through this harrowing experience watching voldemort be reborn and then coming back and then I love the scene where Harry gets Cedric's body and brings him back and gets the the uh-huh. cup oh, and you see Harry just of course he's you're experiencing with him all this thing and it comes back and it's all this fanfare and it's this music all this kind of stuff and everyone's like hey yay they're back all this kind of stuff and it's that's this 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 turn nobody it's this, realizes it's this conflicting tones of this is the way it used to be. This crowd and everything, everyone's, oh, hey, it's happy, everyone wins, you know, happy ending. And it's the reality that Harry's experiencing, which is, Brilliant. oh, my God, what I just witnessed, Cedric's dad, so all this kind of stuff. Good. This yeah. Things are never going to be the same again because oh, it just, just happened. Think um, about really how, great contrast. Think about how all the other movies ended with, you know, Gryffindor winning the House Cup, the super awkward <laughs> standing ovation for Hagrid, the, the mm-hmm. you know, kind of sweet moment with Ron, Harry, Ron, and Hermione. Uh, or, and then this one is, or no, it's, sorry, it's it's with uh, Harry riding off on his broom and everybody cheering is the last one. And then this right. one, you know, the f- final moments are very somber. You know, all the the house flags aren't up. It's it's all black. It's it's you know it's that. You know, I love that, that sequence of events. That last line, those last couple of lines in the film are just so magnificent. And they they set the tone so perfectly, right? Yeah, you know, sad, oh, somber oh. Hermione standing there against the wall. It's never going to be the same again, is it? No. And, it's, oh. and you, expe- you expect a, a pep speech from Harry here, right? Yeah. One word. Oh. Yes. Nope. Yeah. Oh. So good. It's, like, it's an amazing I'm contest. sorry. Right, I did. That, that was. Yeah. That, that was that was another point that I was going to make eventually, Ben, is the, is the amazing stellar contrast that they give at the end of the film. Because you've had so much whimsy, you've had so much happily ever after from the first few movies, that when you have that kind of buildup, you almost expect it to continue that style. And when it doesn't, it hits you like a ton of bricks. Well, yeah. And, and you're and just... Getting, yeah. You, you're, you're just dumbfounded, and you're, and you're sad because you realize, you know, all these students that, that watched Harry return with the cup they're all celebrating this momentous occasion and yeah it's a big momentous occasion but for reasons that they don't fully comprehend yet the things that he went through the things that he experienced you're you're right things are never going to be the same again yeah and and it's like to like i'm not necessarily arguing against you don't i think you make a good point about you know kind of the weight of the deaths in this movie but i think it's almost weird that it's almost like the film itself is like self-aware of the fact that 
it knows it's going to this dark place, but it's trying to like cover up the fact that these bad things are happening. Mm. Like, you know, mm. don't pay attention to that. You know, no big deal. People are dying, but that, that happens all the time. Just just ignore it. Keep going. Like, you know, it's it's not till you get to the end where you're facing the harsh truth and the, the harsh darkness that these characters are going to have to face. Well, but I think that's part of the storytelling uh-huh. that that makes this movie so solid is the it gradually progresses to a point where everybody realizes things cannot stay status quo. And so you you maintain the status quo by by seeing the the groundskeeper's death at the beginning of the movie and nobody really does anything about it because it's just coming to Harry in a dream. So uh-huh. literally nothing happens. He mentions it once or twice. Nobody does anything about it because there's nothing really to do. And then you have Barty Sr.'s death, and they're basically instructed to kind of sweep it under the rug, just kind of ignore it. It's like, oh, this is an accident. This this didn't really happen. Nobody really talked about it, et cetera, et cetera. And then you have Dumbledore's speech at the end of the movie where he says, I've been instructed not to talk about this, but I feel like staying silent on this matter would disgrace his life and his legacy. Uh-huh. Talking about Diggory. And so you go through this progression where nothing happens, very little happens, and then something very big happens. And you realize that as you experience these deaths, you can't stay the way that you are. Change must happen. Otherwise, more people are going to die. And Dumbledore realizes that, and he acknowledges, if I don't tell the students about this, I risk losing more people under my care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, and and um, yeah, not I. Uh, I really want to get into Order of the Phoenix stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Just you know, oh, it's, which, it's I, I don't I don't think this I don't think this is a spoiler to say this, but you know what you guys are saying, you know, you can't maintain the status status quo. All I'll add is, no matter how hard some may try. Oh, okay. Yeah, interesting. Well, I mean, the same is true in in this universe as well. I'm not going to get too political, but there are a lot of people that prefer to maintain the status quo because it's worked for them for so long. And then there are people that realize that by doing that, you risk endangering other people. Certainly. And so it's it's almost like a very subtle political commentary saying we are not going to maintain the status quo no matter how much resistance we get. If, if that's really what you're talking about with Order of the Phoenix – no matter how much resistance we get, we are not going to keep things the way they are because we know things are not the same as they once were, and therefore we have to adapt or we die. People hate change. It's 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 just a fact. This is a fact of life. It's just a, a human nature that we want things we want things to be comfortable, we want things to stay the same. And people, you know, to their to their, you know, to to you know Bad things happen, and you know people will just ignore them, just so they could have the you know like the whole saying, you know a a a a uncomfortable truth is is better than a a comforting lie, but people more often than not will choose the comforting lie because it's comfortable because it's it's not thing it's not you know um you know it's not going to disrupt their their normal thing Uh so you know coming out of that and you have people that just desperately cling to you know that normalcy even though the world is literally falling apart around them i can't wait to talk about order of the phoenix
<laughs> yeah, here's here's the thing that I will say about this movie. I wish that I I, I know that it's based on the book, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't say. <laughs> I, no, no. Wait, here, here's what I'm getting at. What the book? title of the the title of the movie did not prepare me for this film. The the title, this concept of the goblet of fire, it felt very blasé. It, it it gave me a, a very odd first impression, and so I the the one thing that I will say about this film, and I really I, I'm I seem to be critiquing just J.K. Rowling in general. Terrible title, phenomenal story. I I really really enjoyed all the aspects that they that they put into this film, including the integration of the unforgivable curses. Yeah. The 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 inter, the integration of the uh the, the what is it the triwizard cup triwizard you know, tournament the, yeah. the, yep. the the tournament yeah the triwizard tournament it could have been harry harry potter and the triwizard tournament it could have been harry potter and the unforgivable curses yeah you know, there, there there were there were so many other possible names in there that well, would have it's, been um, it's, Zach, very it's, impactful it's funny that you you mentioned it you mentioned that that you think that would have been a better title that was that was actually jk's alt- alternate title like she the was debating title yeah, yeah. she the was original deba- title was triwizard tournament but yeah. i think uh, if i remember correctly she said that uh, an editor or the publisher didn't like it I, yeah i'm looking at a a, a, a a quote from her where she just says she feels you know goblet of fire she says quote i prefer goblet of fire because it's got that kind of cup of destiny feel about it which is the theme of the book which i guess is sort of destiny it has the imagery. Right? Yeah, it's I got mean, the imagery. I think, I think it would have been. I think the title would have played a lot better had it have actually been the Goblet of Fire that was the, yeah, the trophy that they were the going port for. He used <laughs> in the end because that was the point of all this. You know, the title of the book had been the crux of the final battle: Philosopher's yeah. Stone, the Chamber of Secrets, the Prisoner of Azkaban. Those were all the things. In the final battle, that pertained to the finale. That makes yeah. Goblet of Fire and had nothing to do with the final battle here. It's very in the middle. You're right. It it only has to do with the selection of the competitors in the tournament. Exactly. And and then once you've selected your champions, then it's kind of done. Yeah, it's you game on. It. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's the strong point to the title is that it's you know after four movies, you're accustomed to a formula, accustomed to Okay, when I go see a Harry Potter movie, this is what I'm going to see, and mm-hmm. you know, just on the surface level of people just watching movies, not counting the books or anything like that. So I just going, like mm-hmm. sorry, go I, ahead, I, I'd say you know, Dom can agree or disagree with me on this. This is the only one where that rule doesn't apply. Yeah, you're you're right. You're absolutely right. Every every other title is very descriptive of what uh, yeah. a part of the end battle will be, whether or not it's a physical object or a title or so uh, you know we've still yeah. got in, in this still got one, order of the phoenix half-blood prince and deathly hallows correct yes correct i think in in this one it's it's almost a bit of a red herring the title like it's you're That's supposed exactly to be thinking about this point. but if you if you just sort of think of the title sort of as an individual entity like the goblet of fire is such so much more of a striking image and title than the, the Triwizard Tournament. Like, I, you know, if, <laughs> yeah. you're much more likely to be enticed by something called the Goblet of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire than Harry Potter and the Triwizard Tournament. Like, there's something more. The, the title, as a 
essentially as a, a marketing device, which is essentially what titles are, um, feels much stronger when you call it the Goblet of Fire. Like that feels yeah, like something people, more exciting. When when the normal person that may not have seen any Harry Potter know what Harry Potter is, they hear Harry Potter and the Triwizard Tournament. People are going to go, "What the hell is a Triwizard Tournament?" Uh-huh. Whereas you know, Goblet of Fire is an intriguing term. It's What's a goblet of fire? What yeah. is that? It's more powerful. Interesting. It's, yeah, it's more powerful and image, also, which is more and, intriguing. And going back to your red herring point, like that's the whole point of it is that it's 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 leaving out like that back third of or that last you know thirty minutes of the movie, which is the main like lead up point to this movie. Yeah, and it's distracting you from that and giving you like okay, this is just gonna be a normal Harry Potter movie, and this is not at all a normal Harry Potter movie. This is setting the standard. For what Harry Potter movies are going to be yeah. going forward, and it's giving you something completely different that you weren't expecting, so that, that's why it works. Mm-hmm. A- absolutely, absolutely. And I'll, I'll just like I'll say like reading it as a kid, um, re- reading the book. Like maybe this is just you know being a kid, being a little bit naive, um, but like the whole return of Voldemort thing, like looking back it makes total sense but as a kid it was just so shocking and and striking and scary that that was happening at the end of this book that yeah like it, it really um you know like that just that that last third like ben was saying is is just you know it's, it's very you know it's, it's kind of hidden from you and it makes it more shocking when it happens and yeah yeah exactly well it definitely leaves you in in kind of a, a, a I wouldn't call it suspense but curiosity mm-hmm. as to what's going to happen after the segment with the goblet concludes because now what like that's the big question is now that we have experienced all we're going to experience with it is it going to come back or are we experiencing something different you know, I'd say that, you know, J- James in the, in the chat here does point out that the goblet does hang over the story, right? Uh-huh. I mean, yes, the physical object disappears, but how did Harry's name get in the goblet is still a big part yeah. of and, everything. Yeah. And that's very much tied to the end, right? You know, yeah. Barty Crouch Jr. In, in the guise of Mad-Eye Moody puts it in there so that Harry can be in the position to travel to the graveyard on that night so that Voldemort can be resurrected. So it, it, in, in a way it's, you know, it, in a way it breaks the rule because the Goblet of Fire is almost, you know, the thing that kicks off the story in this one. Whereas in, in all the other ones, it, the, the, the title, the title object or, or what have you um, is very much tied to the end of the story. In this one, it, it very much kicks it off, but the, the, the ramifications of what happens with the Goblet of Fire, the object, are very much felt in the final act of this movie and book. Yeah, like the Philosopher's Stone, like the Philosopher's Stone isn't even mentioned until like way late in the film. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't come into play, whereas, you know, Goblet of Fire is right there at the beginning. But it is a kind of a, you know, it's this looming thing over the plot throughout the whole thing. So... You know, I think I think it works as fine as a title, but also I, li- I just like the fact that it is a bit of a misdirection in and of itself as well. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, we've also had some commentary from people in the chat to kind of continue with that 
trend. We've seen some people talking about Snape being their favorite character in general. Joey Mays commented earlier on in the evening. He said, just wait for Dolores Umbridge. <laughs> and uh, honestly, <laughs> I cannot wait. Cannot wait so to excited. complain about her. Because yeah, again, it... again, I am assuming she's going to be the new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. Because we are continuing that trend of this particular class being a revolving door for the professors. Mm-hmm. Now, is this the woman that I see all the memes of of people wanting to kill her? Yes. Yes, I, I was gonna say no this. comment, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, there's yeah, no the reason. There's that tiny woman that everyone hates. Yeah, there's no reason at hiding that one from them. Like, <laughs> as soon as she walks on into the frame, you effing hater. I, I'd say oh, the first time man. she speaks is the moment where you realize you are a, a word I won't say on regular IPC. She is a witch. <laughs> she is a witch with a B. <laughs> Well, that's not the word I was going for. <laughs> Mine oh. rhymes with runt. Yeah, I was going to say, right, right. I, I meant to say, see you next but, Tuesday. Oh, but, but yeah, <laughs> that also applies. That is awesome. I can, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, I mean, this one, I mean, for sure, leave you with like, oh my gosh, I got to watch this now. Um, get to the next one. I can imagine being there, like watching this when it was out first, and you gotta wait all this time. Yeah, I re- you know, two or three years. Order of the Phoenix was the first like book where I remember, like, because I got, uh, you know, I like uh, the, the Goblet of Fire was the last book that I read, sort of where I got caught up with the publishing, and I remember like Order of the Phoenix waiting for that, and like the first like three sentences were published in the newspaper, like three weeks early or something. I was like just pouring over them. Like it, it the, yeah, the wait was tense. I actually remember that. <laughs> you, you do. I, I vaguely do remember. Yeah. I, I want to say for me, I remember it was in the, it was in the Toronto sun. Yeah, you're right. It been in the, uh, I don't even think it was in the entertainment section. I think this was actually this was news. in the news section. Oh God. I, you know what? I remember when, when deathly hollows was coming out, reading a story in the actual news section about spoilers and I got spoiled about a death in there that I won't spoil here. I, I stopped as soon as it got close to publication. I was like, no, <laughs> <laughs> if I see the words Harry Potter and you're not talking about a film, I am not reading another sentence that you have to say. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That had to be bad. Like, you know, having like, you know, w- w- you know, in Star Wars fandom. It's like, oh, yeah, this website did this, this this website said it that was, it was like, horrible like, yeah. if, if memory like you serves have the, you have the whole story out there like it's if, in the books and that you know it, the internet like today like it would be crazy like you'd have like people not my harry potter i'm gonna spoil harry potter because i read the book before you uh, i mean I, I can only imagine uh-huh. If if memory serves, Deathly, I, I I'm sure it was one of the later books. I can't remember exactly which one. So you may remember, but one of the books had an episode one esque leak, didn't it? Where the table of contents came out before the book. Well, I, if I remember oh. correctly, if I remember correctly, I think Order of the Phoenix, a copy of the book got like stolen and or and then lost. And then it was found in a field somewhere or something absurd. I I don't remember the specifics, but I remember at one point this would have been, you know, in in the younger internet days. You know, this was Mm. the the early aughts. And I remember reading an article for Table of Contents leaked. 
for one of the Harry Potter novels. And I want to say it might actually have been Half-Blood Prince. Mm -hmm. Because that one, I don't need to tell you the events, but, you know, this, you know. Yeah. Second last book, some ish goes down. <laughs> and there was a chapter title that gave away some pretty big events yeah. that we didn't know about yet. Yeah. The um oh, so dear. with um Order of the Phoenix, like apparently like a thousand copies were stole stolen from a warehouse somewhere in the UK. So oh that that might be where that came from. Um I, I don't feel like it was Order of the Phoenix though, because the event I remember being spoiled was mm. not in Order of the Phoenix. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll, we'll have to research that later. Cause... You guys are going so far around the bend and trying to be so intentionally vague. <laughs> we could... it's, it's hard not to be because, you know, we know, yeah, we know the event. Okay, so I, I so don't... Here, here's, what we, here's, what, here's what I suggest we do. We, we do our regular Deathly Hallows discussions later on in the year. We'll do, we'll do part one and we'll do part two. We'll do them separately. And then we set up a roundtable discussion where we just talk about the series comprehensively. Look at everything. Get to actually talk about the things we noticed that we weren't supposed to notice. I love that. Yeah, yeah. that'd be cool. So you, we, may, we may need to do that somewhere down the road, Ben. You and I can look at the schedule later on and try and yeah. figure out how we can get that to, hey, to be integrated. Hey, w- look, we ain't going to have no Star Wars movie this December. So, you know, the, the, <laughs> the schedule's wide open. We got some time. You're right. We do have some time. Let's let's look at favorite new character. Obviously, we have some regular standbys that we're very much a fan of, including, you know, any kind of developments that may have happened in the course of this movie. But some of the new people that we've got were, you know, uh, Alistair Moody, Victor Crum, Cedric Diggory and Fleur de la Cour. Crum and Diggory and de la Cour were all participants in this tournament. Which I think, Ben, going back to your point, one of the reasons why death wasn't quite so imminent in this is because it was supposed to select the best of the best, and you don't have 12 or 13 districts to choose from like you do in the Hunger Games. You've just got one representative from each school, which makes it you know, a lot more focused, I guess. And so when you're that focused on it, you have to pay a lot of attention to what they're doing and how they're doing it. And, you know, if you get that close to the finals of the Hunger Games, they're paying a lot of attention to those survivals, like the people that survive as well. So, you know, you you had you had kind of a choice there where you choose maybe like three representatives from each school or something. And some of those other people end up dying off rather quickly. And then you get down to characters like Diggory, Delacour and Crumb. Or you just go right, right to them and kind of cut out those extraneous people. So, I mean, as far as streamlining the story is concerned, I don't really have much of a qualm with it. But I do I do see where you're coming from. So, going back to favorite new character, who did you guys like that was introduced the most? I mean, if you want to include... Barty Crouch Jr. You can, because I'm just a big David Tennant fan, so you know I'm gonna <laughs> toss him into the ring just because David Tennant, you know. But out of the new introductions, out of the new blood that we got, who was your favorite? Um, for me, I, I, I really like. I'm, I'm torn about whether I want to say Mad Eye Moody or not, because 
you know, it's not the real Mad Eye Moody. Um, right. But so, am I saying Mad Eye Moody or am I saying Barty Crouch Jr.? I don't really know. I, I guess. I guess it would be more fair to say Barty Crouch Jr. because what little we do actually see of, of Tennant in that role is is very good. Uh, but when we have Brendan Gleeson as Mad-Eye Moody or as Barty Crouch Jr. in the guise of Mad-Eye Moody, I mean, he was just fantastic. It just it, His lesson was so insane and then so dark. And then his... Um, <laughs> His punishment of Draco turning him into a ferret is classic <laughs> stuff. Um, and, you know, he's just he's, he's funny and creepy and kooky. And then in the end, very, very scary. Uh, so I got to go with Barty Crouch Jr. slash Mad-Eye Moody. Um, for me, I would say I like Cedric a lot. Um, yeah, and ben, is a, ben that... is a big fan of Robert Pattinson. Well, I was gonna say, like, <laughs> he's so good in this. Shame. He, he is so it's good. It's a in shame this. he gets such a bad rap from yeah. Twilight. Like, he's mm-hmm. a great actor, and he's done stuff since Twilight's been great too. But it's also, true. just like he's he's a very likable character in this one. Like, he's a great. I mean, you and you feel like like where's this guy been all this time? Like, I would have liked to seen more of him in well, the he, previous films. He actually first showed up in. Prisoner of Azkaban, the book, if I remember correctly. Oh, okay. He's in the Quidditch match. Uh, I he's believe the so. You hear him mentioned. Yeah. yeah, he's the seeker for um, uh, Hufflepuff. Right, Hufflepuff. Cho Hufflepuff? Chang. Chuffle, Cho Chang is the, the seeker for um, Ravenclaw. Yeah, what can I say? I get the uh, I get the underhouses confused. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Throwing shade. They all look the same to me. Underhouses. There's more than two houses at Gryffindor? (laughs) At Gryffindor or Hogwarts? (laughs) I said what I said. (laughs) Oops. Oops. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, he's a great character. His, and, his uniform was different than that of a Gryffindor. So it took me about half the movie to realize it. But I was like, oh, OK, so he's a he's a Hufflepuff. And honestly, now in the context of seeing uh, Benson in, in Twilight, it makes a little bit of sense. Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, for, for me, I, I, I mean, I liked Cedric. I, I did not hate him. Better in the book because you get to see more of them, but mm-hmm. that's that's a book to film difference that you know is not his fault. I, I thought, I, but even what we get in the no, we get of him in, in, just, in the film, it was like very he's small comparatively. Yeah. He's toned, uh, he's toned down, yeah, he, he, exactly, a little bit. Yeah. But you know, you still get those nice moments between him and Harry, where you know he kind of lets he, he kind of does the he kind of apologizes to harry for the weird buttons and stuff which is played up much more in the in the book and then he does very you know, much so then he returns the favor with the advice about the um, take a bath with moaning myrtle <laughs> <laughs> classic advice you know oh maybe, maybe oh. warn him that myrtle might show up so that he can he wear was... a bathing suit oh yeah. uh, it was like it was like bathtub spooning with a ghost. It was so weird. <laughs> Can I just point out that this really... It, it, it grosses me out even more when I realize that Moaning Myrtle was played by a woman in her 40s. <laughs> <laughs> just, it oh, so we've got some... 
we got some necromancy and we got some cougarism going on. Is that what you're talking about? I, I don't know. I don't. I love that scene. Like it's so so weird and cringy, but like in the best possible way. In the weirdest as a kid, way. it was okay because you know you moaning Myrtle. She died in you know what did they say? She was in her second year or third year. So she's right around Harry's age, right? So it's actually okay. And then you find out that Shirley Henderson, who plays Moaning Myrtle, was in fact born in 65. Yeah, but the character's been dead for 50 years. So really, you know, she may look like a... Yes, oh. second year she dies. Just ask nearly headless Nick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, uncomfortable. But it's, it's like, oh God, this, yeah. this woman was born 33 years before I was. And I was supposed to be born at... Same time as ew. It's, it's well, disturbing. and the way that the way that she tries to like peek through the bubbles and stuff. Like, oh, she doesn't just peek when they go underwater, and he opens it up. She's staring right at his nethers. <laughs> uh... I mean, you can actually see her giving him side eye. It's like, oh God. I was, uh, I, I guess I'm going to see that my second time around. I was too focused on the idea of a device that only plays music underwater. It's because it's a mermaid. Being... It's, a, it's a mermaid's yes. iPod. It's a yes, recorded but... mermaid voice. That's why it only works underwater. You can't hear a mermaid song above the water. Yes, but this isn't the first time that science fiction and fantasy has done something like this, is what I'm saying, is... There was there was a a certain movie out there at one point where they received a coded transmission and when they played it audibly, it sounded like screeching, and people could not understand what the screeching was. And then somebody had the bright idea to make it sound as if it would when you played it underwater. And the next thing you know, you realize you're listening to the music of a humpback whale. Wow. Anybody maybe, maybe know what I'm talking about? Our friend James in the chat. We don't talk about that film, okay? We don't talk about that franchise. About. I, I, I don't you... want to know. I, I mean, I know what you're talking about, but I'd rather not talk about it. Maybe, I maybe don't that like film, that, that film gives me headaches. Just <laughs> thinking about it like is giving me a headache. Can we go back to this one? Yeah. The original Space Whales. It's it's not it's not the first time that science fiction and fantasy has done something like this. And so it was kind of interesting to see them take their own perspective on it and put their own special twist on it. Honestly, I half expected um, Stranger Tides, parts of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides, to take some ideas from from this movie and apply it to theirs because it came several years after it. Apparently, this is this is one of our first instances, aside from you know the. The mermaids that we see in the movie Hook, we don't really get a whole lot of live-action mermaids until after this movie. So this one kind of set the tone for it and gave you an idea of what to hope for, what to listen for, what to expect. And the way that they integrated them into the story was actually pretty ingenious. Yeah. I, 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 never, would have, I never would have pictured mermaids to not only have fish tails, but some of them also have octopus tails. No, that no, no, those was... are different creatures. Are they different creatures? Yes. Okay, so who who are who are the creatures that have the octopus tails? Then please uh, correct the me. The octopus tails were, uh, well, God, but they're not mermaids. They're they're, they're W something. Oh, 
Merman? They're not they're not mermen, they're not mer they're not mer people. They're they're like Oh, but they can, I... but they, but they can live in society amongst the mermaids because as Harry's leaving the mermaid city, they kind of swarm around him. So they obviously have some sort of cohabitation, at least. Yeah. And now everybody's silent because they're all trying to Google. I it honestly have. I honestly, I don't know. <laughs> the I thought I thought they were they were relatives or cousins of the mer people at least. Oh, but they're, they're not, and it, I'm I'm looking it up. And so we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll pause ten seconds for station <laughs> identification. You're listening to the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast live on channel 1138.com and coming to you through the power of iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. You can find all previous episodes on ipcpodcast.podbean.com. And if you want to gain exclusive access to behind-the-scenes listings and commentaries and discussions, then just find the Patreon page on that website and join the Peacekeeper Corps in order to hear about all the stuff that goes on outside of these episodes. It's always a lot of fun. There, hurry got up, the plug Hurry up done. with that Google search! Yeah, really. I, this I is a long question. <laughs> I, tried to, I tried to draw it out. No, it's a simple question. No, I mean, if it's long not, to type it out, okay? Question. If they're not called mermaids, then they're called what? Just, a- just ask Jeeves. That's a very That's a very 2005 thing to do, Ben. So we're right yeah. in the sweet spot well, with this yeah, movie. I, mean, I remember I remember when I was young and naive and thought, "Hey, that's a really cool idea." Ask and Jeeves. then I got old and cynical and realized it's actually Jeeves is just a freaking stupid are, rip off of Google. The, the octopod looking th- they're grindylos. You actually oh, see yeah. them in you actually see them in Prisoner of Azkaban. He's Luther right. Teaching about them. He's right. Huh. In- true. It's yeah. true. All of it. <laughs> oh, that was... Ooh. Thank you, Google and Wikibooks. Apparently that's a thing. <laughs> Wikibooks. Harry, Harry, Harry Potter Wiki. Grindylo. G-R-I-N-D-Y-L-O-W. Yes. Those oh god, those look like <laughs> Yeah, you really should like, Google it. I should have warned you. The pictures are very <laughs> they, they look like what would happen if Oh, okay, I'm gonna go RIPC here for a second, folks. <laughs> oh jeez. this isn't the alcohol talking, this is me. It looks like what hap what would happen if a Yoda, a Buddha, and an octopus had a threesome. <laughs> <laughs> a Buddha. Well, look Thank at their bodies. Jeez, um, Louise. I was gonna that say it looks more ridiculous. like a sapien and an octopus. It's uh, got like the mouth of a demogorgon. Oh my so gosh! How about yeah, we go back okay. to order? How about we go back to Goblet of Fire, huh? And and maybe Goblet of Fire. My, yes. yeah, how, how about my new character? Since we've gone so far off the track here. Yes, please bring us back on track, McMahon. We need it. Well, I don't think you can go wrong with a Barty Crouch Jr. or Victor Crumb or Floor or Karkarov or any of the other characters that are new to this film. The answer for me is Rita Skeeta. <laughs> she is my favorite new character because she She's is great. she is the stick that stirs the drink. 
man. She, it, in an era where social media and TMZ and, and Perez Hilton are the hottest things in, in television, having that in Harry Potter is one of the greatest things ever. And reading her articles and headlines are some of the greatest fun you have in the whole films. Mm-hmm. And there's so much more in the book, too. Like there really is. Uh, it's it, and it's a character who's yeah. There's so much more <laughs> to the character in the book. Like this is one of those places where the adaptation kind of it, it, there just wasn't time for this subplot um, to get fleshed out the way it is in the book. But you find out, uh, spoiler alert, that she's a an, an anamorph. Anim- she turns into a beetle. Like Sirius turns into a dog. She's and animalgus. Is that what you animagus? Yep. There you go. There you go. I can I can never remember what those are called. Um, I couldn't remember what she turned into. I knew she was yeah. Animagus, but for some reason I thought it was like a fly or something. It's a bug. I thought she was literally the fly on the wall. The fly on the wall. That but... would have been so much better. Yeah. Especially for a wizarding journalist. Yeah. I I, I think JK was kind of getting she's an insect. Like she's a, a parasite that <laughs> needs to be um yeah. excised. Yeah. Um but yeah, so there's there, there was a lot more with her and, and Correct me if I'm wrong. She comes. She comes back in the books, but doesn't in the movies. Uh, she's in. I know at least she's in Deathly Hollows. Yeah, and I want to say she was in one of either Order. Oh, that's or right. She Blood wrote. Point. She writes the book in Deathly Hollows, but that's not in the movie. So, well, she's correct. She's credited in Deathly Hollows Part One. Right, right. But you don't actually so... ever see her. Well, the actress is credited, so I'm assuming you at least oh. see a, a picture. So I'm yeah, assuming when you see the book, it. you see the moving picture. That must gimmick. be it. Yeah, yeah. But no, she's she's a much bigger part in the books throughout mm-hmm. the rest of the saga. But for new characters in this film, she plays such a big part of that. You know, stirring the 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 Harry Hermione drama, and and then Victor and Hermione. All that I loved all of that. Mm-hmm. Well, and I just you love know, the how gossip rags of Harry Potter. It's like it's. It's beautiful, and that's published in the actual Wizarding News. Yeah, like, this isn't this isn't you know Us Weekly or you know <laughs> anything. Like, this is the us Daily Weekly. Prof- yes, Us Weekly. That is my go-to rag for weird things. <laughs> I'm a Canadian, so soon. Not not the National Enquirer. Like she feels more to me like she's National Enquirer kind of. <sighs> they're all they're all garbage. I mean, yeah, they're all garbage. So, yeah. We're we're kind we're argue yeah. we're arguing whether it's. It's, we're arguing it's so over weird a... because she she both epitomizes and disgraces the profession of journalism simultaneously. Mm-hmm. She she brings out the propaganda fluff piece headline attention grabbing garbage that the media flocks to, and yet at the same time is the type of person that everybody pictures a journalist to be. You know, somebody that, that's talkative and derivative and distracting and, you know, just kind of squeezes her way into places that she's not really supposed to be. And, oh, my gosh, she she kind of annoyed me because as a journalism major, she is everything that I don't want to be. Ah, now I remember. That's a scene that should I, have been in the movie. <laughs> I, I, I just looked into it. It was the uh, I, I knew I remembered reading it. Hermione Trapping. Rita Skeeter. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that should have been in the movie. Yeah, I forgot that was in the book. Yeah, the yeah, should have been. Should have been. That's funny. that would have been fun to see, actually. Mm-hmm. Oh well. Another I thing. Digress. Another thing that um, uh, this is a smaller moment. This is a smaller like thing that was in the book 
that's not in the movie is there's a moment in the book where Dumbledore has a conversation with like one of the mer people and he speaks the like mermaid language but like above oh. ground so it comes out like screaming and shouting and and all that stuff and i really wish we could have seen that <laughs> in the movie but i, I think that there. would have been great the thing that's always bugged me is were they really just gonna let flora's sister die no dumbledore wouldn't allow that i'm i'm, I'm just sitting there like i mean like how, how long were they gonna wait I mean, is that why the mer people just let him flip her up when the hour ran up? Like, just... yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure Harry did what he did because he knew she was gonna die. If, well, if it didn't happen. Yeah, it's it's the kind of thing where it's like it's Harry being sort of overly. Harry? Yeah, yeah, being over, but like being overly noble, where probably like I I can't imagine uh, that Dumbledore would allow that to happen. I think he would. He would go down there himself and 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 deal with the mer people if he needed to to save her, um, but this is just sort of you know Harry he's doing the kind of thing you know of, even if there's like God I'm about to quote I'm about to quote Batman versus Superman Jesus <laughs> oh my God even if there's no. a even if there's a one percent chance he has to treat it as an absolute certainty oh I feel dirty um, but you know it's like oh, you know, he, yeah he he feels like it's oh. like. He he feels like, you know, even if there's just a tiny chance that, you know, this girl will actually die, he has to save her. And that's why he is. And then that's what makes him who he is, why he's so noble, even though in reality, reality, air quotes, in fantasy, uh, Dumbledore probably would have just sort of said, nah, nah, let's get her get her up here. We're not nobody's dying today. Not on my watch, which makes it so weird that the, the crouch thing happens. But, you know. We've already gone over that. Yeah. Okay. So there's, mm, yeah, there's there's two more things that I wanted to talk about, and one of them is that final question that we have towards the end of our Mahur Plutpoientis, uh-huh, uh-huh. and uh, I would I would hope that maybe we can all pick a different one so we have different elements of the movie to talk about, but. Out of what you saw in this movie, what was your favorite scene or favorite moment? Uh, for me, I really enjoyed the World Cup, but I won't get into too much detail over it if somebody else wants to talk about it. Now you take it. Okay. It was an amazing way to kickstart this movie. It was. It basically contained everything that I was hoping we would get in Prisoner of Azkaban. You know how I was talking about how there were so many moments where magic could have been used as commonplace, but it wasn't? Uh-huh. We got so much of that in this little this this little segment here. You know, you've got the, the great grand stadium, and yet no matter where you sit, it seems like you've got one of the best seats in the house. They're almost at the very, very top of the stadium, and they're like, I told you this seat was worth waiting for. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was a great view and everybody was cheering and having fun. It was, it was amazing. It was like, you didn't need glasses or binoculars or anything. I didn't see anybody with that kind of, you know, vision enhancement of any kind. Everybody was enjoying the seat that they were in. The only people that were bragging about it was the Malfoys. And that's just because they're always running their mouth. But everybody, everybody else was completely enjoying themselves. And, you know, in a stadium that large, people sometimes have a tendency to complain about where they're at, but nobody 
was complaining about it, really. You know, once they got there, they had a great time. Harry goes inside the Weasley's tent. The TARDIS And it's tent. like a TARDIS tent. Yeah. <laughs> I love it's, that. It's a TARDIS tent. It's bigger on the inside. You walk inside. There's entire chambers and tables and beds and bunks. And, and you know, this is giant living space. But when you're outside, it just looks like a regular old tent. And people just keep filing in one after one. And Harry looks at them like, are you crazy? We're not going to fit in here. And then he walks inside and he sees how grand and spacious it is. And he's like, oh, my gosh, I love magic. Yeah. And then you get to take a step back and think all of these tents are like that. Not just the Weasley's tent, but this entire field of tents is like that. And you're just like, oh, my gosh. And then I also really, really liked how it kind of bookends things between the front and the end of the film where everybody grabs onto that boot uh-huh. and it transports them. And then you realize at the end of the film that the cup also had similar magic. Port key. And you're like, oh, a port key, yeah. I, I lost the word for a second there, but mm-hmm. when you realize that they're both port keys, you kind of like have this snap your fingers, light bulb comes on over your head moments, and you're like, oh. And then it got even cooler because usually it's only one person that grabs the cup, which is why nobody really transports with it. It's because you usually need to transport when you have two people grabbing it simultaneously, don't you? No, it's 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 just a. It, it was designed like Moody Barty designed it with the intention that Harry would grab it and travel to the um, the graveyard alone. That's why that's why okay. that's why Voldemort says to Wormtail, "Kill the spare." Oh, okay, mm-hmm. okay. A port, a port so yeah. whether just another so, so whether, means of transportation, just like a broomstick or flu powder, what he said, yeah, or anything else, yeah. What that, you know what? Something just hit me: the fact that you know, and that's that's kind of a theme of this of. And theme throughout a lot of different movies, but especially this one, like it's Harry is mostly responsible for Cedric's death. Like, not only does oh, yeah. he not kill Wormtail when he has you're, a chance, you're Ben, 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 man, you are passing the buck to the wrong guy. Yeah, you are. What? Yeah, and and you are, um, man, you're getting into some cursed child. <laughs> Stuff. like you're really jumping this is that's one of those things you say and it's like you're saying it and you don't realize you're just describing part of the plot to harry potter and the <laughs> cursed child are we, are we child. sure ben isn't secretly playing us and has seen all of these things yeah and he's seen the play too it's amazing <laughs> i feel well, he's at least read the the script anyway i feel yeah. like he's playing us yeah he's he's trying to maybe play I innocent and maybe like, oh, i am i've never maybe seen this stuff before but really he's just he's, he's a giant potter head like the rest of us yeah no no no, here, here's the thing. That happens. Oh my gosh, and then... that's right. It's 420. <laughs> We're all Potterheads today. Oh, give me a freaking... <laughs> <laughs> I'm done, all nowhere else to go no no harry insists does you know cedric says no go on without me no he insists he takes the cup with him and that's how cedric ends up there with him 
So it's Harry is a murderer, like all right? Harry is a murderer. The cup was a port key. Playing the role of Amos Diggory in tonight's production of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, Benjamin Hart. <laughs> You'll get Harry that joke Potter. when you read it. Harry yeah. Potter is the worst. He's the murderer. Jeez. Wait, Amos blames Harry too? Wouldn't you if you were Amos? I mean, he's the only one I can understand I mean, it. Yeah. That's, that's, it's, it's, like, it's pretty justified for Amos to blame Harry once he learns what happened. Yeah, just just leave my son in the, you know, do what you did for Floor and and, and, and Cedric's still alive. Yeah. But I mean, Man. Cedric, Cedric, yeah, and Cedric tells Harry to take the cup by him to just take it, and then Harry's like, "Nah, we'll do it together, co-win." Exactly. Which is which is another kind of a Hunger Games kind of vibe. It's like but, either both of us do it or neither. Well, of us I think do I it. think that's only part of it, though. I mean, a big thing that's left that, it's out also of the, the film uh-huh. that's not translated is the prize for winning the Triwizard Cup. Yeah, it's not just a trophy. Yeah, you will be rich beyond your wildest dreams. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's it is a vault similar to the one you see yeah. Harry's in the first film. That goes to the winner. Harry knows he doesn't need that. Yeah. But Cedric does. Yeah, and in in the film, it's played more as the like again, it's Harry, you know, noble to a fault. It's sort of like, well, I, I'm not going to be the only like. It's, I don't need to be famous. Yeah. I don't need this, so we'll do it together. Yeah, we'll share it because he knows he like it's it's it, it him and him and Cedric are basically having a nice off there. They're like, no, you take it, no, you take it, no, you take it, no, you take Very it. Very Canadian of yeah. them. Yeah. It's, it's the Alphonse, also I'm going to lead you Gaston to your death. God. Uh, if he hadn't known that was a port key leading to Voldemort, he wouldn't have touched it himself. Yeah, he would have. Yeah, <laughs> if there was a sign that says "port key leads to Voldemort," like it's just taped on it, then then Harry's then they would have both just sort of gone, "Nah, we're <laughs> just done." Taped on it. Thanks, <laughs> but no thanks. Piece of duct tape on that giant yeah. crystal. Voldemort cup. was here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like not even spelled it's, right. It's Voldemort W U Z was it, here. It's like an arrested. Now, it's like an arrested development when he <laughs> Michael opens the fridge and he sees the bag that says "Dead Dove, Do Not Eat" <laughs> written on it. And he opens it up and he's like, "Don't know what I was expecting in here." <laughs> now, if you want to be more upset at you know Harry, as soon as he gets to the cemetery, his immediate response should be GTFO. <laughs> yeah. Especially when he was, though, wasn't it? Especially when he was like, we need to leave now. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have even left the port key. Well, and then you turn around, you realize, oh crap, I'm in a cemetery. Oh crap, this is my dream. Oh crap, my scar. Oh Oh, crap, crap. let's get the hell out of here. Oh crap, it says riddle on the bleeping gravestone. Let's go. Vamoosh. Yeah, but. But but wouldn't wouldn't the the logic be that if it was the port key that got you there in the first place, it's the one that can take you home? Yeah. Which it does. Yeah. So, so just grab it and go. Was was it wasn't the mindset to get Diggory and get the cup and get the hell out of there? That's yeah, what 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 McMahon is saying I'm is saying that's what should he should have, have done. Faster. Yeah, is they shouldn't have even gotten to the point where Wormtail has a chance to kill Diggory, is they should have just gone, No, this is not a good idea, let's get out of here. There okay, also no Diggory point where was stopping just... to look at the tombstones is more important than crap, we're in a graveyard. In the famous words of Han Solo, I've got a bad feeling about this. Let's GTFO. <laughs> Diggory, is, Diggory is like young Han Solo. He's like, I got a really good feeling about this. Well, the way that he whips out his wand like that, and I don't mean that metaphorically, he just <laughs> thinks that he stands any kind of a chance against any of the dark forces that are in this cemetery. Like, in where his was defense, his defense? That's Wormtail. He probably does. 
And yet he didn't. Yeah. That's because Wormtail went to an unforgivable. Yeah. Well, yeah, but that's kind of what the dark forces well, and, and that's, do, and, isn't it? And, and that's the thing about Wormtail is that everybody always underestimates him. I mean, that's why he was. This isn't. This isn't really explained in the movies, but in the books, it's it's made clear that the reason he was able to betray Lily and James is that they had trusted him with their protection charms and stuff, because nobody would anticipate that they would trust him with that they would have anticipated that they would that they would trust a more powerful wizard like Sirius or Lupin or Sirius. yeah um and any other member of any literally anybody else in the order of the phoenix uh and but instead they trusted it with wormtail kind of the you know last place you would look kind of thing and but because wormtail was a, a a traitorous bastard uh he went and told voldemort and one thing led to another otters on a silver platter yeah. yeah, I mean, like Prisoner of Azkaban, you like, oh yeah, Harry's greatest enemy is this dude who's who's be- this this murder who murderer who escaped from Azkaban. No, it's just a rat. It's a it's, it's just a rat who's been sleeping with your best friend for the last two years. <laughs> so, no big deal. Uh, <laughs> Probably shared a bed with you at some point. Who knows? Yeah, that's 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 an uncomfortable thought. I really <laughs> we we had that thought last week. Yeah, we've we've, yeah. we've already gone down this road. I, just, I don't I don't want to I don't want to relive that pain. So why don't we just move on to another favorite scene? Favorite scene, the, the Quidditch Cup for me. I mean, obviously the the finale was was fantastic. Did anybody have the finale as as one of their favorite sequences and why? Yeah, I'm gonna go with that one. It's kind of it's kind of obvious. It's kind of cheap, but but it's still so it's fun, so good. Like, uh, you know the the the. From the moment I think Voldemort emerges and he's no longer that creepy, like, just thing there. And now he's, you know, now he's, he's Ray Fiennes. He's, he's Voldemort. He is the, the character that we are, are meant to fear. And, you know, the, and the Death Eaters show up and he's having the interactions with the Death Eaters and he, he's being all creepy and he's touching Harry's scar and, uh, and, and then the duel, and he's show like, "Show me yours, I'll show you mine." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and and um, the um, you know when when he lets Harry down, he says, "Let's duel." Uh, you know, first we bow. You know, Dumbledore wouldn't want you to forget your manners, and like uh, just everything about it. And then when their spells collide in the air, and all of a sudden that little bit of magic occurs, where all of the previous the, the the most recent deaths uh that 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 the wand was responsible for Voldemort's wand was responsible for all of those people sort of emerge and Harry actually gets a little moment with his mom and dad and it's just it's so good it's so so well done and, and so well executed both from like a, a story perspective with what just JK wrote and then with the the film side of things with with how they pulled it off it's uh, it's so uh, just perfect just mwah, so good yeah that's definitely. my gimmick that's my <laughs> don't you be stealing my gimmick <laughs> that's how good it was i had to steal your gimmick <laughs> okay mcmahon let's tear your gimmick let's let, let's well, hear your favorite scene my favorite scene was the yule ball oh yeah that is good yeah it's good stuff you know it it, it just it's it's the moment where it sets the table for so much of things that are to come. You know, this, you know, I mean, it, it's safe to say that if you know Harry Potter, you know that 
spoiler alert, Ron and Hermione are going to end up together. Yeah. I think everybody knows that. At this <gasps> point. What? <laughs> at this point, I think everybody knows that. But this is the this is the moment where Ron realizes that well, this is the moment Ron realizes Hermione is a girl. And an attractive one at that. Like, you know, that moment when she walks down the stairs and Harry sees her, but he's actually looking at Cho and then turns around and sees her was was amazing because you actually got that little bit of, oh God, are they really gonna change the books and go here? <laughs> like that's that's one thing that I was like, oh no. No, danger. Danger. But, you know, they stayed authentic, and I'm happy for that. Yeah. But... That's cool. You know, when Ron first sees her, it's like that, oh, crap. <laughs> that can't That can't actually be her? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, they, they keep going back, and they keep talking about, oh, who are you going to ask? Who are you going to ask? Like, yeah. well, they the... never... Like, it doesn't even enter their minds, not in, at least in Ron's mind, that, oh, you know, I could ask. I mean, Hermione. He, he, literally, he literally says it when they're sitting, which yeah, is another. He's such a know, he's such a jerk to her. He's like, which is which is an extension says, of you know a more specific favorite scene is that one where they're in the uh, the great hall with uh, with Snape. Says to, that that scene with Snape. I love that. You know, all about that. You know, when he you know plays with the arms and then just smacks them both in the back of the head. Never says a word, and yet you feel his emotion. It's fantastic. But I, you know that moment where he realizes, wait. Hermione, you're a girl. You're a girl. <laughs> like, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> He's such a jerk. He's such a jerk. But I also yeah, love in that scene yeah. is it, it's it's either Fred or George the way they ask Angelina to the ball, and it's just so like at, at that point they're interchangeable. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, but the, the Yule ball gives us so much like levity in addition to those sort of like major foreshadowing, kind of even a little bit harsh moments between Ron and Hermione. Uh, not a little bit harsh, very harsh scenes. Um, but there's some moments of levity, like Harry and Ron with their dates, Harry and Ron in their dress robes. Um, you get the, uh, the 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 band playing. Can you dance like a hippogriff? Mama, 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 mama. Um, and uh, and of course uh, Neville just loving dancing because of course he does. And Neville Neville needed a win, and it was great to see Neville. Can I just point out that I'm the only one who's a little concerned that Neville didn't get home from the Yule Ball until after Harry had enough time to get back, get changed, fall asleep, have a nightmare, and then get woken up before Neville gets home. <laughs> like, <laughs> Neville, what were you and Ginny doing? Oh, my. Yeah. Um, there's the, in the deleted scenes, there's even more, um, inference, not specifically about them, but what some, some other Hogwarts students are getting up to, um, well, you know, like I said, it, it led are. to, uh, you know, um, you know, that's an RIPC thing. Yeah, that's RIPC. We'll, we'll, we'll leave that one alone. Yeah. But, um, al right. also, um, while we're talking about the Yule ball, there's also the great scene, <laughs> Where McGonagall teaches the dancing lesson. And I, I can't be the only one that legitimately hopes that Rupert Grint had no idea how to dance, and and, and Maggie Smith teaches him how to dance. I'm sure he didn't. I'm sure he didn't. That makes tough. I love that she's like she's, I, I would have just loved for them to not have in the script who she's going to pick. Yeah. That all the boys are just like, oh, I hope it's not me. I hope it's not me. I hope it's not me. And then, you know, she picks Ron and it's yeah. put, amazingly awkward. Put your hand on my waist. Your what? <laughs> my waist. <laughs> so great. And then Harry to Fred and George. You know, you're never going to let him forget about this, are you? Never. 
Ah, so good. Uh, great. Speaking of Fred and George, can we also acknowledge the scene where they try to put their names in the cobwebs? <laughs> <laughs> and I just love Hermione in that scene. It's not going to work. <laughs> You idiots! And she and she was right, man. She's right. Thank you, thank yeah. you, Dominic. Because now you're depressing me. <laughs> <laughs> what? Think about it for a minute. Expand on it, and and then you'll get it. Okay, then. The, the way that particular scene ends, where they're fighting. Yes. Two old men. I, does he say? Penny's in the air. Penny's in the does air. Does he say something? Pen, you you just hit it. Oh, I just I forgot I forget what he says, but I think I based no, on no what no 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 you you literally just said why this scene depresses me because of what two he says. Two old men. Two old. Oh, the penny drops. Damn. Yeah, that's depressing. <sighs> ben, what's what's. Bring the mood up. What's your favorite scene? My my favorite uh, scene it goes back to the first the first match, the first test, whatever you want to call it. Mm. Um, actually, specifically the the dragon chase. Mm. Love that. Like you know, it's just it's a thrilling scene, but also like just the whole like special effects are like top notch with that dragon. Like really cool, especially when he's like on the roof and he's just and. and you know, amazingly, just kind of tearing up Hogwarts along the way, like you know, flying around and and you know, landing on the roofs, and parts of the roof are just ripping off as he's you know climbing around trying to get to Harry. Really great stuff, and really just you know, a really good spectacle scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and also like, apparently, you know, chains can't hold these things. <laughs> you know, they just they just run amok, this and is it, you a know, fully it, it, grown Hungarian horn tail that. Your chains have no meaning here. Yeah, right. And it's like it's not it, like you have this big crowd crowded around this one little area. Most of the action doesn't even happen there. Like it's this thing flies out, and you know it's still legal, I guess. <laughs> so trying to kill you. But yeah, that was a great scene, and uh, you know all the all those you know things, very unique ways of you know dealing with you know, these, these challenges or whatever. And I like the fact that like they, they all come up with their own little cheats for it. Like, you know, have the, the, wherever the weed stuff that the, he eats and becomes basically a merman. Happy, happy 420. Then, yeah. Happy 420. <laughs> oh boy. Why did I not make that connection? Mm. But, uh, yeah, just it's not 420 anymore, Dom. You're 10 minutes late. It's right. But it is for Ben. He could still, well, part- he could he- still partake. <laughs> <laughs> Got another, uh, 50 minutes, 50 minutes. Oh boy. Oh boy. Well, I think we're starting to, if, if we're not, I think we need to at least try to start wrapping this up a bit, um, with thing, but you know, kind of, uh, I guess we can go around with a uh, final thoughts. Anything else you guys want to bring up before we, wrap it up for this evening anything uh, any further thoughts about the film itself anyone um i'll just reiterate how much i really enjoyed this one and uh, you know it is a turning point um and you know it it really sets up a string of of incredible books and movies that 
you know, really these uh, these first ones, you know, the Harry Potter series really shaped a generation, I think. And, and you yeah. know, those first ones, you know, gave people a, 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 a community, a sense of belonging. And these latter ones really take them take take us on a ride uh, through a for a, leading up to an incredible finish in, in Deathly Hallows. And, you know, like I've, I've mentioned before, Order of the Phoenix is my favorite one. So I can't wait to talk about that whenever we uh, we do on on this show. And, and I'm looking forward to that. So, yeah, Goblet of Fire, top notch film. Yeah, now I'm torn because I kind of just gonna want to go watch the next movie <laughs> or like next all the movies, but you know, what, what, it's gonna be. It. I mean, uh, let's, it. for you know, to, for all transparency here, we're kind of you know breaking these up into you know two by two by two, working our way through them. Do it and do it. I get the, I Do get it. the idea. I get the idea. But, ben, you know, Ben's I, the person who would be reading the spoilers back in uh, back in 2005. <laughs> I can't control myself. That's the problem. Oh yeah, me That's too. a problem. Well, I mean, you know, we we do talk about spoilers extensively on our Star Wars podcast, so you can't really be blamed for for being intrigued yeah. on this. Yeah, exactly. Listen to Shia, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but see, I keep going on YouTube. And they have random video clips from certain scenes from certain films that I haven't seen yet. So and then you should just watch it, so you'll understand these clips. Yeah, but you know, they're just they're very descriptive about in the titles. Like they say, "The death of so and so." I'm like, "Oh, great! Now I know that." Um, well, Ben, so, I don't know if you know this, but Han Solo dies in The Force Awakens. What I know. How, I, how I did to, you spoil that? I, I hate to be the one to tell you this, but Luke dies in The Last Jedi. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. So does Snoke. <laughs> Sorry, dude. What? I, how? The Emperor dies in Return of the Jedi. God. Padme dies in Revenge of the Sith. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> oh my Speaking God. of Revenge of the Sith, that's actually something that we need to talk about sometime this evening. It ties in, actually, uh-huh, believe it yeah. or not. But uh, are, we're not quite done with our with our I, scene discussions, are we? We're kind of in final thoughts here, kind of kind of starting to wrap it wrap it down. But we can still we still uh, want to address a little. Uh, we can reopen the, the book. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think that ties right into it after we do that oh, because actually that reminds me <laughs> when you just said open the book, that reminded me of something. So uh, one thing I did want to talk about. Uh, is is continuing our our Dumbledore watch of sorts that that we've been going through and and you know this is the the second movie with Michael Gambon as uh, as Dumbledore and this is where I feel and a lot of people feel that the Gambon Dumbledore diverts from the book Dumbledore in some pretty significant ways and the the scene that kind of uh, puts it all to puts it all sort of front and center is. After Harry puts his name in the Goblet of Fire, and well, after his name is I'm sorry, yes, you're right, correct, yeah. Um, after his name is spit out of the Goblet of Fire, and when Dumbledore asks him, he confronts him about it in the movie. You know, he chases him down, he slams him up against the trophy case, and he's holding him by the neck. He's like, Did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? And compare that to the book, in which the scene goes like this, uh, from page 244, chapter the Four Champions. Dumbledore. Professor Dumbledore was now looking down at Harry, 
we looked right back at him, trying to discern the expression behind the eyes of the half about, or in the eyes behind the half moon spectacles. Did you put your name in the goblet of fire, Harry? Dumbledore asked. Calmly. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah, I did. I right off the bat, I'm like, that feels out of character for Dumbledore. Like straight up, like trying to strangle Harry. Yeah. <laughs> over this, like, like you little son of a, what did you do? Yeah, Rich- he's, he's just butt hurt because somebody beat his spell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Richard Harris would not have done that. Seen that way. Richard Harris would have looked at the director and said, I'm not running at this point. Yeah, he's like, I can't run that fast. I'm old. Um, but yeah, calmly. So, wow. There you go. I just wanted to bring that up. That was one thing that stood out to me when watching the movie. I'm like, wow, okay, that came out of nowhere. Yeah. That, I, that's one of two things from the book that didn't make the film that make me go, why are you not there? The, the other is Ludo Bagman. Ah, yeah. I love Ludo. Ludo's pretty sweet. Yeah. Plays so nicely with the twins. I love that subplot. Mm. Oh, yeah, that was something that I meant to ask. Were there any significant omissions in the film compared to what's in the book? Um, Ludo Bagman? Ludo Bagman. He was was the sports minister, I believe was his official title. And he kind of inferred to Harry that he'd tell him what the trials were because they kind of wanted him to win uh, because yeah. the story was nicer. Yeah. So there was that. Um, there was the Rita Skeeter uh, thing that we talked about earlier, how she was uh, she could turn into a beetle. Um, and she ended up trapped in a bottle by Hermione. <laughs> by Hermione. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the rest of the, the other stuff that sort of cut is is kind of stuff like the the, the challenges, are, I think, are all a little bit more extensive in the book. Oh, much more. Intense. Much Especially more extensive. the first one. Yeah, and, and the third one, too. Like, there's a Bogart, and there's all sorts of, like, magical oh, creatures. Bog- I forgot about the Bogart in the maze. Yeah, and there's all sorts of magical creatures in the maze. Like, in the in the movie, the only thing that happens is the ma- in the maze is, like, the walls close in on you, and people go crazy. And, the um, book actually had a minotaur, didn't it? it, pro- it I think it, it probably did. I can't remember that specifically, but it, it almost – I would not be surprised. I mean, that might have been the Boggart, but yeah. you know, it, it, I, I seem to remember a minotaur chasing down floor inside the maze. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so there's, there's things like that that are uh, sort of expanded on in the in the film. Um Another moment that I, we didn't really talk about uh, that I, I really like. This is completely unrelated, um, but I love the moment where Moody uh, is running through the um, the different uh, the, the different competitors to to Harry. And, you know, Cedric he could turn a stopwatch into a whistle uh, by by the time he was Harry's age, and uh, uh, Victor Crumb's head is maybe full of <laughs> sawdust, but Karkaroff's is, isn't, and then Fleur. She's as much a fairy princess as I am. <laughs> <laughs> that imagery. Great line. Great line. Great delivery from Brendan Gleeson. Um, but back to things that were cut. I can't think of anything the else. The Sphinx. Yeah. The Sphinx in the maze was a big one. Yeah. It's it's all sort of stuff that just sort of all the challenges were more extensive and more challenging. Yeah, in this one, they didn't really cut out much of the story moving content except for you know, slowing it down 
as far as the challenges went. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I did have one question for for you book readers before we move into our, our discussion that that's actually been pretty interesting taking a look at some of the, the best box offices of the year that the movie was released. That may be something that we do on a more consistent basis on the show if we have time. But uh, there was there was one scene that kind of confused me just a bit. And maybe it's important to the story. Maybe it's not. But during the the ball, I believe it was, during the Yule Ball, okay. it, it cuts rather drastically between an interaction where uh, Ron and Harry are sitting with the twins at a table and Hermione walks by and invites them for drinks with her and Victor, I believe. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then just a minute or two later, Hermione is just uh, like up in arms like up in Ron's face, just completely PO'd and saying, maybe the way to avoid all of this is to just invite me in the first place instead of treating me like an afterthought. Like she's just furious compared to the way she was, just what seemed to be a few moments previous. And she said something to the extent of you ruined everything. Was there a deleted scene? Was there something in the book that caused everything to deteriorate so where it went from just icy conversation to you've ruined everything. What happened there? I, I don't, I don't remember anything from the book. So McMahon, if you can, if you, if you I, do, I don't remember anything yeah. specifically, but, but I do feel like there was yeah. an event in the book. I, it's, I it's what basically what it's implying is that, you know, Ron went and said something. He went and ran his mouth off and, and you know, he, he tried won. to tried to air quotes stick up for Hermione to to Victor. Um, it was when they were walking. You know, it, it was he's using you. That's what set her off. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Which actually was in the film. Mm-hmm. That's what set her off on that tirade. Which you know, right? That's a, so, that, yeah, rightly so. I mean, that's such a such a shitty thing to say to somebody. Sorry. Um, like it's it's it, you know. She's in the right there, and he's in the wrong. Um, but oh, no, no, no. I, I, I feel like her reaction is completely justified. It's uh-huh. the kind of thing that I would expect, but I, I don't. I, I didn't. I didn't see something that justified that kind of response based on what I saw. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I think somebody, it's, it's somebody just telling you he's using you. Like you can choose to shrug that off, or you can choose to. You got, you got to read between the lines. Yeah, there. I think that's it's just yeah, it's just an that's implication. just a group of teenage friends, and two of them finally realize, oh crap, you're a, you're a girl, I'm a guy, and I'm attracted to you. Crap. Now I'm going to be awkward and say something stupid, as tends to happen to all of us, and uh-huh. it just goes from there. Yeah. 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 Like I think I think Zach, I think you're right. Like the film maybe would have benefited a little bit because that is a very it's a very sharp cut, if you know what I mean, like from the between those two moments. Uh and so maybe it would have benefited from 
a scene in between that was unrelated or showing us that interaction between Ron and, and Victor to kind of heighten that moment because it does it does require the audience to imply a lot of what exactly went down and we're kind of left to sort of pick up the pieces from their conversation about what exactly Ron did to scare off Victor or you know whatever. Well, I don't I don't, I don't think that I think the book might have elaborated a bit more and Hermione did say it you know when her and Harry were talking on the bridge Victor was an airhead his head's full yeah, of sawdust he, he was he was more you know, he was more physical than he was a talker <laughs> exactly that uh, that painted certainly quite a picture that I think painted if, a very if, weird picture especially since hermione's only like 14 in this film uh, 15 15 okay so harry was harry was 14 and she's a year older even though they're both first years a couple of movies ago no no they'd be both they're the same age so whatever age harry is she's that age unless it's like you know Fourth year, you'd be fifteen. You start when you're eleven. Yeah, but when they when they were interviewing, eleven is, for, 11 is it, first year, twelve is second year, thirteen is third year. You're, you're, uh, are you accounting for Rita saying he was twelve? And then he corrects. And then saying he says 14. he says he's fourteen. I think it's just a birthday difference. Like I mean, they'd be fourteen going on fifteen when is, or fifteen. It depends on when their birth. I can't remember when, when their is, birthdays Harry, are. Well, Harry's when birthday. Harry's birthday. Fifteen going on sixteen. Jesus. <laughs> uh, Harry's birthday is um, is in July. July thirty first. Yeah. Um, and as I Google, Hermione. I think Hermione's was a Granger. Fall. I want to say October birthday, but that wouldn't make sense because then she would be technically younger than. Him. Yeah, September nineteenth. So. You start if if memory serves you start Hogwarts the year you turn eleven. Yeah, right. So even though she wasn't eleven when she started Hogwarts, she turned eleven first year. Yeah, so pretty. Harry's pretty, got you know so, three months. So so yeah. So they but they're so they would if, if the ball happened in December, they would both be fourteen. Hmm. Math. I think that's. Just I was. A, I, I, think, <laughs> no, I think that's. I think you're I right. Would, I think that's just an anachronism of incorrectness in the script. I was told there would be no math. Let's move on. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a. I'm well, a if they're both eleven at the end of year one, they're twelve at the end of year two, thirteen at the end of year three. So yeah, 14, no, I guess you're they're right. Fourteen, <laughs> right? That's yeah, yeah. All right, you're right. They'd be Good. fourteen at the end oh, of year goodness. four. Yeah, so, so she's fourteen just because of their late birthdays. Because they've got late birthdays, leave it be. Yeah, she's fourteen. But Victor, even even still, Victor even would still, be seventeen. I remember. I remember being 14. Um, But you have to be at least 17 to compete in the cup, which means Victor's like 17, 18. That's a pretty significant age gap for the teenage years. He was born sometime in April, sometime between April and August, according to Harry Potter. Okay, okay, but, but, you know, let's not forget that A, Victor's an airhead. Yes. And and B as tends to happen with guys at that period, uh, some younger women do you know blossom quite nicely early. Happens. I mean, Cho is older than Harry. That's right. She is a year older. She's the same age as Cedric, isn't she? She's in the same. She's in the same year as Cedric. Yeah. Hmm. So I mean, you know that that that's that's teenage years, right? I mean, everybody's attracted to somebody who's younger than them or older than them, just based on. I mean, Ginny and Harry is another prime that's example. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. 
Well, Ginny and Neville went to the dance in this one. Yeah, we, we covered that one already. We covered that one already. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Why I did had Neville to, not had, get home so late? I had to, yeah, I had to step out for just a couple of minutes there, so I apologize. We, we, we did, yeah. We covered that while you were gone. Uh, I made the uh, the point of pointing out that how come Neville got home so late? I was just mm. wondering. Mm-hmm. I was just it was, it was, I have, a, I have a feeling it was like uh like a My Fair Lady kind of experience. I could have oh, danced I'm, all night. I, yes, I there's, no, there's no question Neville was a gentleman, night. but still. You know, maybe they, maybe they, maybe they walked the grounds. Maybe they went and had a couple of drinks. Maybe they were with friends. <laughs> Who knows? Had a couple of drinks. Well, pumpkin Hermione juice, man. Pumpkin juice. Drinks with the friends. Maybe it's punch. She invited of, them for punch. Couple of, couple of fifteen-year-olds. Hey, baby, you wanna go get a beer? Well, the I mean, twins, I, mean, I could fifth... definitely buy the twins spiking the drink, the punch yes, of the Yule ball. I, I could s- buy that. I was gonna say when you're when you're fifty and sixty and fourteen, you know that's that's that age where I could buy the sixteen, seventeen-year-old twins spiking the punch at the Yule mm-hmm. ball. Absolutely. That's that's I've accepted that into my head canon. That's head canon. It's yeah. spike punch. D- Ron was actually drunk. That's why he said <laughs> the thing he said to Hermione and and ruined her Cinderella night. Liquid courage. <laughs> Only for him, it was liquid stupidity. Yeah, liquid well, courage would. Well, liquid courage would have had him man up and ask Hermione to dance. Yeah. Well, after she leaves. Victor. Yeah. There's a fine line between liquid courage and liquid stupidity. <laughs> Zach is threading it. Yeah. I was about to say I am threading that line right now, but I feel like I'm doing okay. I've I've managed. I've managed myself so. I've I've managed myself so far, but uh, we are running a bit short on time. So let's head over to the box office. This movie came out in 2005. There were quite a few movies that came out in 2005 that are fairly noteworthy. Last week, we mentioned that uh, Prisoner of Azkaban came in second overall for the highest grossing movie of the year, right behind Shrek 2, (sighs) which is still something that I have a hard time coming to terms with. It's upsetting. Stop saying that. In my my soul. It's like when I, I hear when I hear that, it's like getting the Dementors kiss. Like it's just it's like we need to go back in time and go see the movie a few more times to contribute. <laughs> yeah. A few more times? Let's let's hop in Hair. let's hop in the we TARDIS. All, Ooh, hey, let's get our time turner out. I can't afford to do like do it all on my own, but I can spread the word. Harry Potter lost to Shrek two. Repeat after me. <laughs> Ugh. That Benjamin, do you taste. want to get punched next month? <laughs> that that hey, leaves a get worse in line, taste man. Get in than line. the most bitter whiskey I've ever had. I'm just saying. Hey, Terrible hey, taste. I'm gonna see you first. I can jump that line. Uh-oh. Oh, oh nah. god. <laughs> Back to the box office. Keep, keep it up. You'll be joining. Z- uh, you'll be keep. You'll be joining Dom off my Christmas off card the list. Christmas card list. <laughs> Wait, if you punch, it, it, it's is it hypothetic? Is it hypothetically possible that you could get punched and still re- remain on the Christmas card list? Or you could punch Depends someone. Depends on why I'm punching you. Ah. But yes, it's theoretical. I would possible. take a punch if I could just see one of these damn Christmas cards <laughs> that you keep hearing about. <laughs> you just wait. They're coming, man. I'm, I'm going to have my nephews make my Christmas cards for me. Like macaroni and everything. Man. <laughs> oh. Contract this out. <laughs> wow. 
You're like a slave driver in your basement. You got your nephews. McMahon, McMahon shows up at shows up at the baseball game on Wednesday with a bunch of macaroni Christmas cards. Like, here you go. There you are, right here. And, and none for you, Dom. And none for you. Yeah, none you just for get. You, you well, just get, I've already got it figured. Out. I know what I'm going to do. Don't you worry. Well, what happens then is when I don't get my macaroni um, Christmas card, you don't get your ticket. <laughs> Oh, I'll wait until after that to give the card. Then. I'm not stupid. Uh, yeah, all right, all right. Well played. It's it's a, it's a seventh inning stretch. That's when I'll give out the Christmas card. Oh. <laughs> right in between. Okay, Blue Jays and take me out to the ball game. I feel you. I feel That's you. That's right. All right. <laughs> Great time to celebrate Christmas in May. Yeah. <laughs> you can have your Christmas in July and your your Christmases in December. But we're we're celebrating Christmas in May. Christmas in May. Well, a Star Wars movie's coming out, so it's basically Christmas in May. As far as as far as I'm concerned. Give it time. It's Canada. There might be snow on the ground. You never know. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't hate that. Not not only do we get to pelt Ben with pucks, we get to see how he acts in snow. Mm. Mm. (laughs) I've dealt with snow before, no big deal. Yeah, but have you ever dealt with Canadian snow? We should take him to Winnipeg. Just take him up north. He'll be fine. Yeah. Well, we're going to do a quick road trip up to a Callowit. See how <laughs> see how that works. Well, I wasn't I wasn't going okay. to quite go that far north. I was thinking, you know, maybe the Sioux, Thunder but... Bay, Thunder okay. Bay area, maybe. But... Okay, I'm I'm done acting like a tough guy. Snow is freaking terrifying. <laughs> Keep that white junk away from me. That's what she said. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> Move us I, on, I, please, Zach. I was gonna make a Scarface joke, but that that yeah, that's just as good. Oh, I don't even know if Michael Scott would say something like that. He absolutely would, and you know it. He would. Oh, oh. he would. He would. Oh, box office. <laughs> the year is two thousand and five. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire came in third place for the top grossing film of the year. Second behind uh, behind second place, Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And a little movie that we all may have seen once or twice in the theater called Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. This is acceptable. This is acceptable. Like, I, you know. Well, I mean, Narnia. second place is acceptable. Yeah, it should what, have been. Narnia? It should have been second okay. place. It it did have the second highest opening weekend. Yeah, looks like I feel. I feel like that number is. How does the Chronicles of Narnia beat it by a million dollars? Yeah, how does that happen? <laughs> one million, almost dollars. two, like a mil. It's a mil it's and not, a half because this is two ninety one seven ten. Right, it's one point seven. Just Wait. ignoring the titles of these movies, ignoring the titles, ignoring the franchises that that they're that they are with, it makes sense that being Revenge of the Sith at the time was the last Star Wars movie. The biggest, the last one. Chronicles of Narnia, that was the first one. Uh So it makes sense that both of those would make really big bank, whereas Goblet of Fire is the fourth movie in an ongoing series at the height of its popularity? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, the the Narnia one is... It's interesting. It had really good legs, I guess, to it. Uh, It's interesting. You guys have put the... um, domestic totals in your show notes here i'll give you the um worldwide gross because that's a little bit different I those were the worldwide i guess no those are just you domestic. really box office mojo Star- lied to me you really no. think episode three only grossed 380 million worldwide yeah. Two, 2005 worldwide gross number three 
The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe with $745 million. Number two, Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith with $848 million. And number one, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire with $896.9 million. That's yeah. the worldwide. So, uh, you know, Harry, Harry Potter's always had... Harry Potter's is is that the sort of the blockbuster franchise that's always had more worldwide worldwide appeal than well. I mean, how does this expect. not appeal to the entirety of England? Yeah, those yeah. damn Brits—they get in the way of everything. Right, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I love our British listeners—the ones that get up the next morning after IPC is published on Podbean and they listen to it, and then. Some of them even live tweeted. We had a we had a follower of ours live tweeting last week's episode to us last week, and nice. it was fun. Nice. It was as entertaining as you can imagine. So it's nice to listen to that episode. It was really cool. So I suppose the time has come for us to give our official scores. And if those of you who are still with us in the chat want to contribute to this as well, we've gotten one or two submissions already. As far as what score out of 10 you would give Goblet of Fire. But we're going to be compiling those in just a few minutes here. So if you have not already, now is the time to give us your planet score. It's a new segment that we've got here on IPC. Whenever we review a movie, we're not reviewing TV shows in this manner yet. But whenever we review a new movie that we have not yet talked about, we are going to dish out planet scores for them. And it's been an interesting trend seeing how... These Harry Potter films have been graded, and I'm curious to see what kind of numbers we're going to give to this one. So, uh, McMahon, I think I'm going to toss it over to you first. I'm curious what number you give Goblet of Fire out of 10, considering what we've seen so far and considering what still lies ahead. Well, um, you know, as I said, this is my favorite of the saga, so I'm going to rate it as such. And Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire gets a 10 out of 10 porkies. Wow. 10 out of 10, a perfect score. Oh man. Okay, now we're going to we're going to go to a we're going to go to a rookie. We're going to alternate back and forth, veterans and rookies. Ben, Mr. <laughs> Benny boy, what did you make of this movie and what score would you give it? Um, as I said off the top, I quite quite enjoyed this one. Um, it's kind of a middle of the pack for me, you know, I'll be interested to see like how, how my opinion changes like going forward and, you know, which one ends up actually being my favorite, but this is probably one of my favorites and one of the ones that really, you know, stuck out to me. Um, you know, I really hated any of them so far, but you know, some of them I've definitely enjoyed more than others. And this one's towards the top for me. So I'm going to give it, of course I can never remember like what I gave the other ones. So I can never like be consistent source of anybody that does pay attention to probably my scoring system is just probably all over the place, but I'm going to give this one an 8.5. An 8.5. Uh, okay. Hmm. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Okay. Mr. Jones, I believe you are up, sir. 9.5, 9.5 for me. Um, I really like this one. Uh, as I've said, the next one is my favorite, and that'll get – I mean, I'll tell you now, that'll get a 10, and I've already given a 10 to Philosopher's Stone, so I, I, I feel like this one is is 
up there with those ones, but not quite. You're just passing out those tens. Yeah, I yeah, I really hand that. <laughs> you get a ten, and you get a ten, and you get a ten. Yeah. Dominic Winfrey. Yeah, that's me, Dominic Winfrey. Dominic Winfrey. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, nine point five. Oprah's long lost cousin. <laughs> He's of the Canadian Winfrey's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I did go back and take a look at what scores I gave to the previous films, just so that I could have a point of reference because I, I recall giving Prisoner of Azkaban a seven last week, and I gave last Chamber, summer. huh? I thought you said last summer and I was like I did not review this last summer sorry (laughs) Uh, I gave it a 7 and I gave a 7.5 I believe to Chamber of Secrets and I think I believe let me make sure that that is yeah there's Philosopher's Stone Philosopher's Stone, I believe I gave an 8 to it. Yes. And Ben, you gave 9 to Philosopher's Stone. Mm, so good. if you're if you're still putting Philosopher's Stone ahead of, of uh, Goblet of Fire, then yeah, you gave it a pretty spot-on rating there. Uh, I'm actually, I think I'm going to follow suit with, with the way you graded it, because I'm still hopeful that there are going to be other movies that I enjoy more than this one there were a few things that i might have done differently but not a whole whole lot um great use of cgi with with the dragons and some of the other creatures that they got the use of uh mermaids you know underwater features are always really really fun for me Uh, i think you got some really really solid character development you got a really really solid pacing the the mule ball felt a little off at times but it didn't it, it felt no different than maybe like a podcast like a not a podcast a pod race in episode one you know it was still an important part of the story but it kind of took you on this side adventure before you got back to the main part of the storytelling and it was still fine so i think i think i'm gonna give it an 8.5 as well uh, i'm hopeful that there will be other movies I, I obviously order of the phoenix has got me really excited now because everybody else is really excited about order of the phoenix so we shall see how that goes when the time comes but i think i think an 8.5 is is very much in order i that, like i said out of the four that i've seen this is the one that i've liked the most therefore i'm going to put it higher than my 8.0 rating that i gave to philosopher's stone Nope. So with an 8.5, another 8.5, 8.5 plus 8.5. No, not 0.5. What the hell? <laughs> 8.5. Man, I, I don't think anybody's given anything a 0.5 rating before. But Fizz, you came pretty close. Didn't you give like an 0.7 to uh, Zombies? I thought it was I, an O point something. I, I don't remember. I, think we'll I might save, even give it a negative number. I can't we'll remember. save the zeros and the negative numbers for IP, our IPC. I thought for a second we were going to make it through an entire episode without somebody mentioning zombies. Nope. I was wrong. <laughs> nope. Not possible. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Sorry. Until, until such time as the RIPC episode is taped, in which case we all finally get to get it off our chests how god awful that film was. 
it, it'll keep coming up. Well, good news. Good news, everyone. Thanks, Professor. We, uh, we are in the works for a actual launch of RIPC. We're still hashing out some of the details, but one of the details that we did take care of just today was a logo for RIPC. So we'll have those promotional images similar to what we do for the IPC podcast. But when it is a patron-only RIPC episode, we will have our new logo used in those instances. If you want to learn more about RIPC and some of the other things that we are trying to do behind the scenes here that is for our patrons and special guests, then, like we said earlier, go to... Excuse me. Excuse me. Why did I say that? Oh, my gosh. Then you need to go to ipcpodcast.podbean.com. I had chocolate. Why Why did that make me burp? <laughs> chocolate is not fizzy. Well, it's, you're a little tipsy, buddy. So It's milk-based. I had two shots, and that was almost two hours ago. Like so I sh- no, And, you know, if you hadn't brought attention to it, it could have been edited out. But, nope, staying in now. No, it has to stay in now. No, I, 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 oh well. IPCpodcast.podbean.com. You can find all of our different patron levels that you can subscribe to. The most expensive one, if you can call it expensive, is only $5 USD a month. And it gives you a lot of really, really awesome involvement, including a sponsorship of one of our top five episodes where you can join us and talk about one of our most popular segments here on the show. And it gives you exclusive access to our library. It gives you membership to the Peacekeeper Corps and does a whole lot of other awesome, awesome things that uh, that we could not do without you. So if you believe in the program and you want to see it continue to grow and reach new heights, then please go take a look at the patron page that we have there on ipcpodcast.podbean.com. The numbers are in from the hosts. We have a total of 36 and a half points out of a possible 40, which gives this film, it gives Goblet of Fire a 91.25%. If you are still listening live, please go ahead and send in your planet scores now so that we can compile our totals. We only have one or two right now. I'd like to have a few more in there just to kind of dilute the numbers just a bit, see what we can come up with. In the meantime, we actually have a segment from Goblet of Fire that we would like to play for you this evening. Do we, Ben? Um, I'll take this. I'll take do. this one, Ben. Yeah, don't make, make this one. <laughs> I'll take this one. So it's time for the quote of the night. You know what this is. It's a uh, it's quote of the night. It's when we play a quote from a movie. Uh, so we have a scene from Goblet of Fire. Um, I decided since you know we we've talked about this a lot, just how iconic that. Um, final scene in the graveyard, the first of uh, many confrontations between Harry and Voldemort uh, together again for the first time, you might even say. Uh, So we decided to have a little moment from that. So enjoy. Such a handsome boy. Don't touch him! (laughs) Harry! Oh, I'd almost forgotten you were here, standing on the bones of my father. I'd introduce you, but word has it you're almost as famous as me these days. The boy who lived. How lies have fed your legend, Harry. Shall I reveal what really happened that night 13 years ago? Shall I divulge how I truly lost my powers? 
It was love. You see, when dear sweet Lily Potter gave her life for her only son, she provided the ultimate protection. I could not touch him. It was old magic, something I should have foreseen. But no matter, no matter, things have changed. I can touch you now. Astonishing what a few drops of your blood will do. <laughs> so yeah, just I mean, what a performance by Ralph Fiennes as Voldemort and oh man, yeah, Daniel Radcliffe keeping up with him all the way. Uh, it's uh, it's just such a, a great scene that you know book readers have been waiting a long time for, movie watchers have been waiting a long time for. You know, we, in Philosopher Sonia you see Harry facing off with Voldemort, but he's you know he's a face on the back of another man's head. And then he's facing <laughs> off with with Tom Riddle, but Tom Riddle is a memory trapped in a diary. Yeah, and, and and so this is our first time really seeing the the legend that is Voldemort in the flesh and seeing just how powerful he really is and in in a scary way how charismatic he is you know this is a guy mm-hmm. who, who rallied so many wizards to his cause to his evil cause and you know we we tend to want to think of those types of people and those characters as being just purely evil but there's something charming about him that makes you want to listen to him and 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 you're entranced. You're you're brought into. You, you really see what you you really want to watch this guy and, and and listen to what he has to say, even though what he has to say is horrific and terrifying. And and so, uh, in a in a weird sort of twisted way, you can almost understand why some of those wizards would would follow him, even though what they're doing is the the worst. It's evil. It's terrible. Um. So. Yeah, just yeah. such a, a fantastic scene, a fantastic performance, and uh, one of many, many more. Well, one of one of one of many more to come. Yeah, the I charisma. Sorry, the charisma just reminds me of what we've what we get from Loki nowadays. Sure. Yeah. Really, like you, you know that he's the bad guy, but at the same time, whenever he speaks, you want to listen. Mm-hmm. Right. I do have a quick question about that, though. Maybe it's just me being dense once again. How did how did Voldemort get to be the little baby Voldemort there at the beginning? Like, how did he end up in that form? Magic. Magic. Oh, okay. It's gonna, it's gonna be like that then. You can't explain something. Answer, like, oh, it's the forge. It's just magic. That's really the only answer we can give you because the cliche we don't really know. No, because we don't really know what Voldemort's done. The last time we actually saw Lord Voldemort as present was when he was on the back of Quirrell's head, all the way back in year one. Right, year two was the book, which wasn't actually Voldemort, just Tom Riddle. Year three, you never see him at all. Yeah, yeah. So we don't know what he's been doing using what magical voodoo to become baby Voldemort. I can't even. I don't even think the book explains. No, no. How he became baby Voldemort? Just that. Yeah. You know the the um the the power of love. I think the only thing the book expands on is that uh, that Wormtail has literally been feeding him unicorn blood. Yeah. Yeah. Like beyond that, we know nothing more. We don't know we how do... he went from the back of Quirrell's head to baby 
baby mm-hmm. form. Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly. Um, you know, it, it, the the books kind of folk and the movies they, they focus more on just the the fact that that Lily was able to save Harry through the power of love. And when I say the power of love, you it's know, the, the magical. It's the Sorry. magical power of love, not the... And, and, it's old and, magic. And, I mean, Voldemort says it's, it's, it's old, old magic. magic. And, and so nobody really understands what precisely happened that night. They sort of understand it. Like, Dumbledore sort of understands it, and Voldemort sort of understands it. But they don't really fully understand what happened there. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, a, little bit, it's a little bit vague. It's I'm magic. I'm cleared that up, because I, I know... I know people like I, I know specifically like people will like watch Star Wars and you'll have things that are unexplainable and they're like, oh, I need to I'm I'm not understanding this because I feel like there's a there's a hitting meeting here. There's something I didn't pay attention to. And a lot of times it's not that it's just the fact that, you know, it's not really that important. Whereas this is just something that happens is not really that explained and yeah. you know it's it's not it's not supposed to be this big thing and it wasn't something that tripped me up or made me not enjoy the scene it's just like okay how did this did i miss something is there something in the books that nope. that thing that's that's a big thing with these things like what's in the books versus what's in the movie and stuff like that yeah no you didn't miss anything <laughs> not, not a thing i mean even, even as a book reader you kind of go wait what yeah yeah so that's awesome. Thanks for clearing that up. No problem. Glad we did game service. <laughs> the the, the age old cop out. Magic. Uh-huh. It's magic. Well, it's I mean, magic, if, bro. If, if any uh, magic if any any saga we could possibly talking about is perfectly okay with, with Dahmer or myself answering a question magic, it's this one. Fair enough. You know the only thing that, that I kinda got a little bit of a chuckle out of was during the sequence, there were a couple of times where Harry was trying to sneakily use magic in order to try and confront him, even though he was clearly at a disadvantage. And every time he tried it, Voldemort just very casually disarms him. And what it reminded me of, <laughs> you you guys might hate me for this, it reminded me of The Incredibles a little bit, where Mr. Incredible is trying to, you know, stop... <laughs> buddy now that he's got powers right and he just swings his arm around and he and he and he freezes him and he goes you sly dog you caught me monologuing <laughs> yeah it's a good it's a good, kept, that's a good reference it's a good i reference. kept i kept waiting for something like that to happen in this film because that honestly it's a it's a great choice for for a quote of the night but at the same time it's your your typical bad guy monologue explaining mm-hmm. all of the stuff that you know wasn't seen it in previous films who allowed or... the alliance to learn the hidden location of the yeah something, yeah something i mean it, it happened really <laughs> really quit asking questions <laughs> even 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 i know that line like jeez. <laughs> uh, i'm kidding i do know it but oh i'm not I'm not going to harass you about it. The one thing, the one thing that I do want to okay. talk about before we call it a night is something that we have been vehemently discussing over at the Peacekeeper Corps, and I just want to present it to the public to let you know that we don't just talk about Star Wars and sci-fi. We apparently talk about processed meats as well. So, 
let's uh, let's go ahead and dive into our final segment of the evening before it gets too too late and too too derivative. Ladies and gentlemen, start getting out your hashtags and put them in the chat. We've got a very special edition for you. If you're not listening live, then put them on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and everything in between. Because it is time, one more time, for everybody's favorite segment. Hashtag BBQ Watch. Barbecue. 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 All right, so about, I want to say five or six years ago, I, let me see, when was it? Seven years ago. Seven years ago, on my Facebook page, my personal page, I created a poll for my family and friends asking them this very simple question. Do you put mayonnaise on your hot dog? And 17 people said no. 10 people said ew. Six people said yes, and three people said yum. So I decided, why not present that to the members of the Peacekeeper Corps and see what they thought? I used the exact same question and the exact same possible answers. And out of the people who contributed, we got four people that just said no, four people that said yes, and three people that said yes. Ew. And we have some of those people on the show tonight <laughs> from all three walks of life. <laughs> Nobody actually put yum, which maybe we can be grateful for. I don't know. We'll we'll see. But Ben, I'm going to throw it to you first because I know that you're short on time. What are your thoughts on the concept of mayo on a hot dog? I know that it's not exactly barbecue, but it is something that relates to IPC because it's been heavily discussed. What are your thoughts? Well, see, I, I I love a good hot dog. I really do love a good hot dog, and I, and I love Delicious. mayonnaise. Will you stop? <laughs> <laughs> this guy, jeez, this happy juice. I know that's what it is. I know that's love what a good is. hot dog he's, he's, and he's, all that white stuff that you put on it. That's what she said. <laughs> all right, guys, it's time for me to go. <laughs> it's uh, it's been fun. Um, no, no, I I love mayonnaise on certain things i love hot dogs but ew no keep your mayonnaise away from my hot dog no thanks may i ask why is it just an ick factor or does it have to do with texture does it have to do with taste what is it i'm just not a i'm not a huge condiment person in general like really like if i go to mcdonald's or wherever you know like i'll eat if they put it on there i'll eat it but like i won't pursue it like even ketchup for that thing i won't you know actually go and put it on myself because part of it because i'm lazy and other part of it is you know i really don't care um so i guess you could say that for a lot of a lot of condiments but like like i just mayonnaise on a hot dog like i get it like burgers that's fine I'm like chicken, that's fine, but 
hot dog. I just it does. I don't. I it it does not appeal to me at all. Interesting, interesting. Well, I appreciate your input and value your opinion as always. I'm glad that you actually got to stick around for barbecue yeah. this evening. Um, there may be some counterpoints made, but unfortunately, you can't counter those counterpoints because of time limitations. I'll I'll leave that to you. I will do my best to stick up for you because I'm in a somewhat similar boat. So we'll see how this conversation continues as we dive deeper into the night, but not for too much longer. So, Mr. Benhart, as always, a pleasure to have you. Looking forward to next week. We're actually doing a top five episode next week, you and I. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to that. And all the stuff that's coming up pretty dang soon. If we the are, Infinity War a week from today. I am definitely guaranteeing not only are we going to do a top five discussion, we are going to do a spoiler-free review of Avengers Infinity War next week. So everybody be sure to stick Woo. around for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Ben, until then, I'm looking forward to it, man. Oh, I am. I cannot wait. And I'm looking forward to talking at you guys a bit more next week and the week after and the week after and the week after. Until then, man. Take care. Thanks a lot, guys. That was Mr. Ben Hart from the Star Wars Underworld and right here at the IPC Podcast. You can go follow him personally on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Ben Hart with no E. Continuing this discussion of mayo on hot dogs. McMahon, I'm going to give it to you next because you have a differing opinion compared to the one that Ben just gave us. What are your thoughts on mayo on hot dogs? I'm all for it. I mean, not on every hot dog. Like, I'm a... You know, you, you can't put mayo on a chili cheese dog. Okay, that's just disgusting. Okay? If you do that, you're wrong. <laughs> I'm, I'm, on a coney? <laughs> you, you can't do that, okay? Like, I'm, I'm not even a big fan of mustard on my coney, okay? Oh, man. We're going to have some words. I, 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 don't get me wrong. I see the merits of it. It just, you know, it, it's, it's, it, it's flavor overload. But oh, man. I, mayo on a plain hot dog? Why not? It's, it's no different than mayo on a burger. You know, I mean, yes, okay, this is pork, that's beef. So what? It's mayonnaise. It has a it has a nice flavor. If you like mayo naturally, wait, are hot dogs pork? Like hot dog. Well, it depends on where you get them, where they get them from. Right? They can be pork, they can be beef. Depends on where. Okay. I have had, not I've had kosher. I've had one. I don't know where we get them from. I think we get them from Costco. My family does, but they are really, really good. They are they are it's it's spiced chicken. With spinach and tomatoes, and somehow they they grind it all up together and process it to where it tastes like a sausage. Yeah, that that's a sausage. That's not a hot dog. But it it's like it's almost like a bratwurst yeah, to a, to a certain extent. Oh, okay. And you can decorate it on a bun the same way you would with a hot dog. And that that's probably one of my favorites. I haven't had one of those in a long time. You know, oh, I mean, it, man. It, I'm getting nostalgic now. I I either need to find a place that sells hot dogs at midnight or go get myself a couple of tacos because I'm getting hungry. <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a mayo on almost everything kind of guy. You know, mayo on pizza. I said almost everything. <laughs> <laughs> mayo on Cheetos. Again, I said almost everything. Mayo on Oreos. Okay, now you're just being a sadist. <laughs> you, you, so you, you don't you painting, don't so when you have your paint- oreos you don't pour yourself a glass of mayo and dip the oreos into the mayo no 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 you just scrape out the filling and replace it with mayonnaise 
You're lucky you're not coming up here after this conversation, Zach. Because yeah, if you were, we would you'd be, be getting a box of Mario's. <laughs> Mario's. Oh, and and they all <laughs> when you'd arrive, McMahon would just go, "It's a me," and hand them to you. <laughs> no, I'd say it's for you. <laughs> oh goodness. Oh goodness, Dominic! Hey. Please bring us back around to mayo on hot dogs. What yeah, are you're your like, thoughts? you're like, you're like, this is getting too stupid. So let's bring this back to something equally stupid. Um, whoa, whoa! <laughs> you're just, you're just wrong. No, um, I'm the wrong person to ask about this because I don't like. I, I am a I, when I ha- eat food, I am a plain eater. So I like my hot dogs with nothing on them. I like my burgers with nothing on them. Cheese. I remember cheese, that cheese pizza is da bomb um i like vanilla it's the finest of the flavors um and yeah so i i you know just the idea of put robot the i (laughs) the idea of putting um anything on my burger or my hot dog is just so like it's not what i want so mayo just sort of falls into that category so it's not any it's not any better or worse than putting sorry (laughs) for whatever trauma you suffered as a child i do i like i like um I like barbecue sauce and plum sauce with my chicken fingers, but other than that, um, yeah, that's that's about that's about I, as far as I, I go. I don't know what happened to you as a child, but something did, and I think it would make for a very interesting film because <laughs> that that's clearly a special kind of trauma. Let's start writing that. We'll start writing that tomorrow. We'll start writing that when you when, when we uh, around solo. Um, there we go. So yeah, so I'm I'm not the right person to ask because it's just not anywhere near my wheelhouse to even consider I, trying that you know i remember that about you and yeah. i don't mean to make that sound like it's derogatory i just i do have that memory we, of we, taking you to whataburger <laughs> when you were here in texas and you get like the most basic burger out of the 20 something options the, that they've got the available double, i got the double burger i like i like a burger on my burger so you you had beef on top of beef. Beef I can on top respect of beef. That. that is that is that is like the Ron Swanson way of having yeah. a burger. What kind of toppings no. do you like on your burger? Beef. beef. Yeah. Well, now, you, Ron Swanson is the guy that puts a pound of bacon on his burger. See that that's that's good too. That's good too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh, you you were you were basing it off of that. And if I had known that that's what you were basing it off of, I would have taken you to another place. It's called a <laughs> Chop House. Right. Chop House Burgers. Well, when we, they... okay, so so I felt bad because I felt like I'd like offended everything you stood for. Um, <laughs> well, you kind of did, and then, <laughs> but and then so when we went after Jedi Pod, like when we went on our late night trip to Whataburger, I intentionally ordered something else. Like I got one that had barbecue sauce and bacon. I think. And maybe oh, did like, you get the did you get the sweet and spicy bacon burger? Yeah, I got that. Like, maybe it had those like little onion rings on it or something. I don't know. Um, they might have. Yeah, so I got that because I actually like so like I do like barbecue sauce and bacon and and I, I I got a taste for those like little onion things on pulled pork when I discovered this um I discovered my favorite place to go for lunch in San Diego during Comic Con. It's like a ten minute walk from the convention center and it's reasonably oh, priced nice. and I just I would go out this past Comic Con every day I went and got a pulled pork sandwich and fries. It was great. Um 
but so so I, I figured like those are all things I like separately. So if I put them on the burger, that should be all right. Just so that mm-hmm. that way that way I, I will have gotten the proper Whataburger experience. And I, I liked it. Like it, you know, it didn't um but you know, I generally my preference is just meat on meat. No, and if if I had known that, dude, you need to come back because we didn't get to go to Six Flags. That's for one true. Thing. It's true. And and there were there were some other local experiences like downtown Dallas at night on the weekend oh, man, is wanna, hella fun. I want to go to and, a Stars game. Yeah, man, I totally take you to a Stars game. It's yeah. fun. Like when they when they sing the national anthem, anytime the word star comes out, the oh, whole yeah. crowd yells uh, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, some some folks, some Dallas fans were here when the uh, Leafs played the Stars. I actually went and saw them, and. Mm-hmm. That some folks were doing that. I'm like, that's a cool tradition, and I think it's a really cool tradition. And it's even cooler when about fifteen thousand people are all doing it together. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think they've they've kind of stolen that from you in Vegas, where their team is the Knights, and so uh-huh. by the dawn's early night is how it goes yeah. in the uh, Vegas arena. <laughs> yeah, Vegas has made it kind of derivative, but I'm glad that we inspired somebody to do something like that. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. But yeah, one of the other things that I need to do is take you to this place called Chop House Burgers. I'm excited because. Their their original chop house is uh is, is ground beef and inside the ground beef patty they mix in diced brisket. Ooh. What are you doing? What, what, what are you doing next weekend, Zach? <laughs> <laughs> let me have a quick look town. at Let me have a well, quick you, look you, at Google you can, Flights. You can come into town for uh, for Infinity War, man. I'll ooh. set you up. <laughs> <laughs> ooh, ooh, all right, all right. I like, I like where we're we're taking this. Uh, no, I, and, I, and I very they, much want to come back to to and all the and places. And then they top it. They top it with smoked applewood bacon <sighs> and cheddar cheese. All right, I'd I'd, I'd ask for no cheese, but uh, that sounds pretty good. It sounds well, the, it sounds cheese, really it sounds the really good. Kind of closes over the bacon to kind of like seal it into the patty a little bit so i mean the okay, you know okay, it, it's a it's yeah. a it's a flavor-based context thing but you can ask for like no lettuce and tomato no yeah, sauce and still that's... get a magnificent experience out of that sandwich it's <laughs> that fantastic is, that is me i am the person no matter like no matter where i am no nothing on it i always tell them i don't want anything on it one time they asked me why <laughs> 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 and you told them this really moving story about this traumatic Which, experience from your childhood. I think, yeah, I think that's the opening scene for our movie, McMahon. There it is. Yeah, there it is. We're already, we're already yep. getting there. Is you're you're sitting down at a restaurant? And it's like I'll have a burger, but I just want the meat, please. And then they're like, "Why?" And you're like, "Why?" And you stare off past their shoulder <laughs> off into the distance, and you're like, "I'll, I'll tell, tell you, you why." why. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're going we're gonna to have restaurants competing to be the burger joint in question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll call of course, it, we're we'll, Canadian, so we're going to give it to Harvey's. Uh, we'll, we'll, call it, we'll call it Jones Burgers, plain and dry. Jones Burgers. <laughs> oh, man, we're Canadian. we got to do Harvey's. Harvey's. You know, it makes they'll chill they, it out. They, they I, mean, make, they, I mean, they sponsor Tim and Sid. It's time for Tim and Sid. Yeah, yeah. They, they make your hamburger a beautiful thing. They do, and I was I was homesick on Monday. That's when I watched Goblet of Fire. But I got to watch like a full episode of Tim and Sid for the first time in a long time. It's such a good show. I was actually sitting yesterday. I got the uh, I I got the uh, the throwback Thursday 
video. I don't know if you saw the one they posted. It was a. Uh, it was when they were still on the radio, uh-huh. and Bob showed up at like two thirty yes! and took over their show. Yes. Oh, I love McCowan. That was that was the throwback Thursday video, yeah. and, and I he, loved it. When he sits, I remember that moment when he sits down and says, "Like we need some music," and the guy starts playing the Imperial March. Yep. Oh, yep. That's exactly yeah. the oh, one. I love that video. Love that video. It's beautiful. So good. I went to share. I went to share it, and then realized, wait a minute, I'm not on my Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, this took a very interesting turn. We went from mayo on your hot dog to a hostile takeover on a radio show. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It was. It was. A, it was. It was. Dang, it was a. It was a. It was a whew, scary day, man. Mm-hmm. I miss radio, Tim and Sid. I do too. I, do too. I, I like TV, Tim and Sid, but I miss radio, Tim and Sid. Yeah, yeah. I would listen I don't to don't the... play the. I don't play the games anymore. That's no fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my. Oh goodness me. Uh, look at the time. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is about the time when things do start to get a little crazy and derivative here on the show, and we're coming up on almost three hours in length anyway. So it's probably best that we start finding ways to wrap things up again, guys. Another awesome discussion. Always a great time hanging out with you. McMahon, where can people hang out with you outside of IPC if they want to hear other things? Well, you can hear me every Wednesday night at 9.30 Eastern right here on Channel 1138 with Star Wars Wastelands. That's the most consistent place you can hear me. You know, uh, I've dubbed myself the 1138 Lounge Lizard, so you never know whose show I'm going to crash next. (laughs) Lounge Lizard. You know, there's if I've said it once, I say it again. There's only one show, excuse me, two shows recorded on 11:38 that I've never been a part of. I'm 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 gonna cross one of them off. Mm. Ooh, sounds if it, like if it's the last thing I do, I'm gonna cross one of them off next month. Yeah. Sounds like some foreshadowing in the works there. Well, there's no works. This is the first time he's heard anything about this, but it's gonna happen. Hmm, interesting. Very, very interesting indeed. Mr. Jones, Mr. Jones. Where did, where is that Calling from? Dr. Jones? Calling Dr. Jones? Call I thought that. it was... Oh, no, it's Mr. Mr. Bones. It's Mr. There's Bones. There's an did, opera did, song that's Dr. Jones, Dr. Jones, calling Dr. Jones. I was I was thinking of something completely completely different it was a christmas movie actually so i'm i'm way off. Well, i got no idea what you're talking about that yeah yeah i, I was i was way off <laughs> I, I i tried to make something work and it didn't and now i have to live with the decisions i've made yeah i thought Dominic, you, were, you were trying to make a bones joke you know, like like star trek but no 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 no, no. damn it um, zach i'm a podcaster not a something not a something a doctor? <laughs> not you're a not doctor <laughs> yeah not a doctor not a doctor <laughs> Well, since you are a podcaster, why don't you tell us what other podcasts you're a part of and where the folks at home can hear you? Yeah, people can catch me on the Star Wars Underworld podcast. We record those uh, Thursday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, channel 1138, and then they're released on iTunes, Google Play, and StarWarsUnderworld.com pretty much immediately thereafter. Our most recent episode is available now. Uh, We talked about a couple of solo Star Wars story TV spots, um, including one that uh, I caught during the hockey game, which was pretty fun. Uh, and uh, we also do our Last Jedi bullet points discussion where we kind of 
hit all of the smaller talking points uh, or discussion points that we wanted to do uh, about Last Jedi, but we didn't feel they merited a full show on their own. So we kind of put them all together and discuss that. And that leads to an epic debate slash argument uh, over the broom boy scene and just the general direction of the saga. Don't you be ugh and broom boy. You mean how terrible that sequence was? Oh, you guys doesn't fit that, into the Star Wars universe. I, you guys are the worst. If I never see Broom Boy again, it'll be too soon. Ah, oh, you guys are the worst. You have no, you have no souls. You've got the Dementor's kiss. Scene is perfect. <laughs> scene is perfect. It's perfect in just about any. It's perfect in just about any other universe. Perfect in every universe. Nope. Every one. universe and every dimension. That scene is perfect. Oh. And I will fight fight you to the day I die. <laughs> uh, that's an interesting concept. It could have been an alternate reality that all of that transpired in. Well, maybe. But that broom boy scene's in all of them. All of them realities. All of them mm-hmm. realities. All Hard the... pass. You guys are wrong. Well, to listen, continue and you have to listen, that discussion. Yeah, listen to, the, listen to the Star Wars Underworld to hear why. I was about to say, to, to continue <laughs> with that discussion and to hear more on that conversation, just go find them at StarWarsUnderworld.com. You can also find some episodes of the IPC podcast posted there as well, but you can also find them on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean, as well as Channel1138.com every Friday evening. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at IPC Podcast. And you can follow me personally if you want to on Twitter and Instagram at Zach underscore DFW. StarWarsUnderworld.com. Dominic Jones is the head writer over there. And he slash it is your source for the latest (laughs) news, rumors, release dates, opinion articles, casting announcements, and more from the galaxy far, far away. Be sure to stay up to date with them for being staying up to date on Star Wars and episodes of IPC. You can find our episodes, just about every episode you could possibly think of, on ipcpodcast.podbean.com. If you truly appreciate what we do here on the program, please check out the patron page that is on that website and take a look at some of the different exclusive benefits that the show has to offer. We're only going up, but we can only go that direction with your help, so please go check that out and let us know if you want to learn more by reaching out to us on social media. But I do believe that that is going to do it for tonight's episode of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast. I'm going to call it episode 188 is now officially in the books for Mr. Ben Hart, who's already left us. DJ Crazy Train, Dominic Jones, and McMahon from Star Wars Wastelands. I am Zach Arnold. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you'll join us next week. Spoiler-free discussion of Avengers Infinity War for episode 189, along with a special edition top five episode But until then, we just want to leave you with this thought. Searching for the truth is easy. Accepting the truth is hard. And the truth is, we'll be back next week with another episode of IPC. But until then, good night, everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. Sorry. Uh, uh, Ladies and gentlemen. Um, for the first time playing live here at Hogwarts, please welcome the band that needs no introduction! Lucas! Alright, Hogwarts! Are you ready for some real music? Come on! I want to see your hands in the air! You're looking good! We're going to teach you a brand new dance tonight! Are you ready? Are you ready? Oh, oh, oh. 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 Oh.